This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. A million pounds, eh, for a frock. A million pounds sold by a private collector to an unidentified person. A million pounds for a frock. I mean, that better come with some provenance. Harry Styles, talking of provenance, turns up at some uh, awards summit wearing a duvet. You've never seen anybody look so stupid in your entire life. It's hilarious. Ronnie Corbett tops the festive bill at the age of 85. They're going to do a retrospective of his stuff. Janet Street Porter says she would ban children from restaurants and cafes. I wish somebody had banned Janet Street Porter from television. Actually, talking of television, Loose Women yesterday. Oh, boy, have I got some thoughts on that one. Lady Colin Campbell's son says his mother's being bullied in the jungle. And uh, Diane Abbott launches her own foundation. But that's for rich people, isn't it? That's slightly odd. Also, Emily's life on the cobbles. That's uh, Emily Bishop, who's leaving Coronation Street. Uh, the selfie with Eddie Redmayne that got one shop worker the sack. Apparently it goes against all of their... Th- I mean, I can understand it, but it's, it's a little bit harsh. And Charlie Sheen, having slept with, what was it, 5,000 women, it now turns out there's a few men thrown in there as well. Apparently Charlie, uh, when he's been under the influence of various substances, doesn't really mind who he sleeps with. Which, to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with. I suppose America's going to be up in arms saying, oh, it's terrible, isn't it? Charlie Sheen, he's always so he's bisexual. I think, actually, that old adage applies. What's the difference between a straight man and a gay man? About six pints. It's not a lot. It's not a lot nowadays. And so there apparently is film of him doing that and film of crack cocaine. I mean, honestly, I give up with American celebrities. I can't... I think we've got enough problems with the ones we've got over here. And yesterday, I was... Uh, I managed to... I was quite good, actually. I was quite good. I, I thought to myself, right, be focused, be focused, finish off the Christmas shopping. Well, finish off the present side of the Christmas shopping. And so my brother's girls have, and they won't be listening, so I can say this. One of them wants a sat-nav, so she's got a sat-nav. And what I do is, if, if the other present is less expensive, I make up with sort of cash difference. So they end up with the same thing. And, uh, and the other one wanted perfume. And I can't remember what it was, but there's obviously two. For example, you know, it might be Obsession and Obsession Nude. And she wanted Obsession Nude. So I go to the Estee Lauder counter in Debenhams in Richmond. And they've got a special offer. If you buy a bottle of perfume, uh, then you can buy this Estee Lauder chest, which is worth 290 quid for £54. And it's got loads of things in it. Loads of things which you ladies like. It's the sort of thing that I know... Jess and Tash are going to pour over. They're going to be going, oh, my God, it's got creams and blushes and lipstick. It's got everything. I mean, it's, it, was, it really looked incredible value. So I bought two bottles of perfume because my brother's girlfriend likes perfume as well. So she's got perfume and shower gel, which solves that problem. And she's got one of these these chests as well because they're really, I mean, it really look nice. I like it. I like sort of a gift. I like it if somebody says this is worth 290 quid and, uh, and you get it for 54 pounds because it's all, all you've got to do. It's easy to wrap. It's a box. And boxes are very easy to wrap. Or failing that, you just cheat and buy a huge, great, dirty, big ribbon and you stick it on the top and you go, it's wrapped. So what I might do is go and get some some red ribbon, tie that round there and do a big, huge bow on the top. Or failing that, buy a huge bow to put on the top because I, I can't make bows for love nor money. And so that solved that thing. And then my brother wanted this particular thing from Molten Brown, so I went and got that. So all in all, it, it, it actually turned out, you know, to be quite, I staggered back with all these bags, looking for all the world like an American film of Christmas Eve, even though we haven't actually got to the end of November. 
but I'm ahead of the game. I'm ahead of the game. And they always want to give you free gifts, don't they? So Molten Brown, I buy two bottles of shower gel of this one that my brother uses because they didn't seem to have anything else in that range. And so they go, oh, you can pick a free gift here. I said, no, I'm all right. Seriously, thank you. And so I, I didn't bother picking. I always refuse samples. Whenever I go out to a shop and they go, oh, you bought that. You, because you've spent £40 or whatever, you get a free sample. I always go, no, thank you. I re- save, save them for somebody who, who wants them more than I do. I can't be bothered with free samples in shops. Some people love them. Some people fill up the bathroom, don't they, with free samples. I can't be bothered. It's always the naff stuff. So I always say no. So yesterday I turned them down and said no. And he, and he popped one in the back anyway. So I was kind of stuck with a free sample, which is OK. I don't, I'm not too bothered about it. So I then go home and I sort of go and have a chat to Paul Cooper about how successful the light turning on was and, uh, and the jumper and everything else. And so that was all very good. And we all, you know, had a, had a good old thing about about that. Then I was going to go to Costco, but the next door neighbour's having a kitchen put in. Well, the drilling went on for what seemed like hours, and it's like they're in the room with you. You know when people start drilling and you're in a building, you think, oh, God, I mean, where are they? Are they in the bathroom? Where are they? And all I could hear was this hammer drill going into the wall. I thought, oh, God. Anyway, we, we, I kind of put up with that. I accept the fact that, you know, people have to, have to do these things. And so I settled down to watch the television. And so I'm happily having a nice time. I've kind of gone off loose women of late. I've kind of thought they, they, they've sort of gone down the scuzzy end of journalism. They've kind of gone down the route where you're not particularly bothered about any of the guests who go on there because they're just flogging, you know, their own tat or their own stories. But uh, yesterday they sort of do their little bit and we've got Colleen on there. Then we've got Jane Moore, who's always, as far as I'm concerned, the voice of reason. And I could see her sitting there thinking, oh... God, who have they dragged up this time? Who did they drag up yesterday? As Ruth Langsford proudly told us, Kerry Katona's giving us uh, her first interview. Of course, so so here here we go. So we drag out the feeble one. It's pre-recorded. Quite clearly, she didn't want to do live, so she did pre-recorded. So they sit down there, and Colleen Nolan, brown noses like you've never seen anything. And uh, so they start, you know, about, oh, it's been a dreadful year for you, hasn't it? Oh, it's been awful, yes. And so George is, you know, well, we can't talk about that, the allegations of this and that. But I love him, goes, uh, goes the bewildered cokehead. And, and, she's, and she's sort of, she's sitting there and I'm seeing through this. I don't know whether or not I've just become psychic or even more cynical than I ever imagined. So she talks about telling the children about, you know, how I was doing cocaine and I was doing this and all the rest of it. And, and one of the, the panellists goes, you're really brave, aren't you? I thought, oh God, she's fooled you. She's fooled you. Because all the way through this interview, the one thing they didn't ask her is, um, is how are you making money? How are you making money? Because she was talking about Christmas. And then most Christmases, two of the girls go to Brian, their father, because she's got children with few few people. And uh, she doesn't actually have a job. There is, there is no job for Kerry Coke Toner at all. There's nothing you can do with a, a wizened old bag who's been through the mill three or four times and nobody really cares about her. But uh, the one question they didn't ask, which glared, threw itself out at the screen at me, threw itself. I mean, practically, I was shouting at the television and I don't shout at the television unless it's absolutely necessary for me so to do. And yesterday they're all going, oh, you know, because you're very brave and you've had a, a really bad year. I thought, yeah, all of your own making, all of your own making. She sells every aspect of her life. She's only got to break wind twice. And that's a story on the front of OK magazine. Seriously, it's, it's, a, it's as desperately sad as that. And so she goes, oh, I, and, oh so I see you haven't taken your wedding ring off. They go. No, she goes, because I, I still love him. And I thought, ta-da, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Why? Because she's already sold one story about how, how it's split up and all the rest of it. And what, I, what did I see from watching the television? She's going to get back with him.
she's going to get back with him and they'll sell the story again because she doesn't have a job. She has no idea how to do a day's work. You know, that they, they sort of put her up there as sort of the uh, the front of uh, of that little group she was in years ago. But to be brutally honest with you, she hardly sung on anything at all. And she can't sing for Toffee, as we know. She was always sort of the, the Larry Tarty one who managed, <coughs> excuse me, managed to snare Brian. But he was never the brightest one, was he, in Westlife? And so she's sitting there going, oh, I still love George and, you know, and all the rest. So, oh, would you like to get back with him? And then she, she evaded the question. Oh, I think I'm probably destined to be single. I'm thinking, no, you've learned of another way of making money. And without actually doing a stroke of work, you split up with him. You do the story about I'm never going out with anybody ever again. I'm never going to get married again, which we all know is a load of old baloney coming out of Kerry Katona's mouth. She might as well have said she was going to fly around the moon three times with a pair of fairy wings. Quite big fairy wings to carry her around. But anyway, so she then says at the end, you know, they're all going. She also did the the, the fake crying bit. She's very (sighs) and luckily she's got a hanky tucked up her sleeve. So she sort of pulls that out. She sort of does a little, yeah, because it's been really difficult and all the rest of it. And some of the panel, I mean, to watch Colleen Nolan brown-nosing was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. This is a woman who confessed yesterday that her and her husband argue so much they end up shouting and screaming at each other. I thought, no surprise there. You can imagine what she's like, can't you? You can imagine what she's like. And so they uh, so they sort of finish this interview. And all I'm thinking is, she's just wrapped you around it. She'll have walked off there going, yeah, did it again. Convince people, you know, that I'm really serious. About, I'm not going to go out with anybody ever again. I bet you anything, the next story you read after Christmas will be that Kerry Katona is back with George. I'm giving him a second chance. And she'll she'll sell the story of that. In the meanwhile, I hope they never put her on television ever again. They've uh, they've really, really demeaned themselves on Loose Women. I don't know who's producing it. Oh, I know who's producing. It's Martin Frizzell, isn't it? I might have to have words with him and his wife. It's, it's uh, Things like that. Just, But of course, it gets coverage because it's annoyed me so much. And that's exactly what television is designed to do. No point in having a nice cosy programme where Janet Street Porter sits there trying to knit a menopause. You know, we don't want to watch things like that. We want to see Janet Street Porter being mauled to death by everybody on the panel and somebody sort of taking uh, Colleen Nolan and just pushing her out of the studio and going, go away, you're not fit for purpose. But uh, Jane Moore, you could see, was sitting there and she asked a very long question. I don't think Kerry Katona quite understood what it was. So she droned on in her own little way about, you know, it's been awful. But, you know, the kids can have loads of presents for Christmas. It's all, it's all arriving at the moment. I'm thinking, yeah, because we're blooming well paying for it. It, aren't we? Ghastly interview. Ghastly interview, but interesting at the same time. So uh, so that was that was yesterday. And uh, then I had some tea and then I climbed into bed because I thought, it was, you know, by that time it had got to that time of the day where I thought I can't really cope with any more. Kerry Katona kind of does my head in. And then I opened up the papers this morning and they're talking about who's going to go into Celebrity Big Brother. Christina Rianoff. That'll be the woman who, what do you do, darling? Oh, you date the people you dance with, don't you? That's right. I just remembered, actually, and you're supporting loads of people back home in Russia, which is so terribly exciting. Unfortunately, she's neither exotic nor interesting. She's a bit like Ola Jordan. They're kind of there and they're sort of irritating. Go away, go away, go away, silly little people. Go away, go away. So awful. And so she's announced that she's going to be going into Celebrity Big Brother. And I thought, so you're going to stop dancing, which is a career, to go and sit in a room? Are you completely stupid? And the answer is, quite clearly, yes. Quite clearly, yes. To go and sit in a room and people watch you sitting in a room. You're boring when you're dancing, let alone sitting in a room, woman. And who was the other one? Daniela Westbrook. Well, you can't put her in there. You couldn't put her in the jungle. She's not fit for purpose. She's not medically fit. She's not been cleared. So you definitely can't put her in. Who was the other one? Oh, Ola Jordan could go in. Oh, God, honestly. All the people you hate. 
I mean, Nan- Nancy Delolio couldn't even sell out the Hippodrome with the most boring show. I mean, really, this poor woman, somebody needs to tell her, I'm sorry, you're just not very good. You're not very good at anything. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. You tell what kind of mood I'm in this morning, can't you? It's a very good one. Very festive. Very, very festive. And we've also had some nice oranges this morning. And, uh, and a gift parcel arrived, which was lovely, all the way from Scumthorpe. We like that. Oh, and we found out as well. I'll tell you in a moment. Do you remember I said I walked, um, I was driving past uh, Marylebone Station the other day and they were filming and uh, they had lots of old buses in and lots of old cars and things like that and lots of people dressed in what I thought was sort of 50s clothing. We found out what they're filming. We found out what they're filming. Somebody working on it who wishes to remain anonymous has told us exactly what it is. So we, I'm going to tell you after this. <laughs> I love a good argument on the radio, don't you? I love it when it gets all heated. I love it. The trouble is, we, we kind of have the advantage because we can pull a fader down. And I sometimes want to leave the faders up. Some people are very good at leaving the faders up. You want to listen to some of the calls to, uh, to Nick Abbott. In fact, you might hear some of the calls to Nick Ferrari this morning, who's here at breakfast. David Cameron says the foreign aid budget will be refocused on states who pose a direct threat to British security. I think the Prime Minister's finally listened on foreign aid. And as the government prepares to make its case for joining operations against the Islamic State, are we ready to bomb Syria? And Lord Sugar tells us why the cycle superhighway is not just bad for London, but disastrous for business. That's Nick and his breakfast team at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, looking at the papers today. Uh, Susie Boniface, who's written for just about everybody in Fleet Street. We still call it Fleet Street, although there's hardly anybody in Fleet Street now. I went down there the other day. Brought back such good memories, such good memories. I used to love Fleet Street. I really did. In the early days when the sun was in Bouvery Street over the road and big rolls of paper would arrive on a Sunday evening and the lorries would be reversing back. Oh, it was wonderful stuff. Really was wonderful stuff. Um, so anyway, this, this, so I mentioned on air the other day. Shh, come close, come close. Click, turn, turn the radio up a little bit. I don't want to shout this one. I'll get into trouble. And um, I was talking about this film which was being made at Marylebone Station and it looked like it was a big operation. Big operation. And um, and I did know that it was Warner Brothers. But all over the place were these big film trucks. And I think it's quite exciting. Whether they ever, ever get around to filming anything, I don't know. Anyway, somebody wrote to me who's, uh, who's, who's working on it. So they, he said, can I remain anonymous? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, uh, the film is um, The Conjuring 2, The Enfield Poltergeist. Which, if you know... The story happened in the 70s, hence the cars. We're doing two weeks of five-day shoots and based out of Warner Brothers studio. Is it uh, Leverston? Leverston. So that's what they're doing. So it's, uh, it's, it's a big, big bit of filming. So that's why they were all wearing 70s clothing. Thank you so much, Anonymous. I like people like that. Paul says, I hope, uh, hope you're well. I've got a sat-nav, so I've asked Father Christmas for a Bentley to go with it. Yes. Dream on. Tony and Acton says Morrison's are doing a special offer. £10 for a magnum of Prosecco. Is it really? <laughs> Everybody, for some reason, I don't know where you get this idea from, that Steve Allen drinks Prosecco. Not all the time. Not all the time. A lot of you questioning Diane Abbott and a foundation. I mean, that is really quite strange, isn't it? A, found- a foundation is generally... Let me explain what it is. It's a perfectly legal means of putting all your income into a foundation, and that foundation funds whatever you want it to fund, plus your lifestyle. And you generally have one if you're very rich. So consequently, Elton John's got one, Cheryl Spagbol's got one, George Michael's got one, loads of people have got foundations. I would not expect a Labour politician to have a foundation. I really wouldn't, unless she's got loads of money she's channelling into it. 
I mean, I, I thought you seriously had to have... It was, it was, it, it's definitely advantageous for tax purposes, definitely. That's why a lot of people have them. But you've got to have a serious amount of money. Do we believe that Diane Abbott has got a serious amount of money? I don't think so. She always looks like she's got a bad smell under her nose, doesn't she? It's all, it's all a bit like that. A little bit strange. Uh, Daddy says, sorry, Stephen, Uber isn't a taxi driver. They're minicab drivers. Actually, they're, they're not minicab. They call them private hire drivers, don't they, now? I'll tell you the story later. I'll tell you the story later because it's it's a very interesting story. Very interesting. And uh, Pat says, I'm hot-footing it to the Estee Lauder counter at Debenhams. Your shopping tips are invaluable. Yes, I mean, so if you buy, and they all, there's loads of offers, loads of offers on all sorts of things, but this one looked particularly nice. And so if you buy a bottle of perfume, which is about, well, the, these bottles I was buying were 73 quid. You can get a smaller bottle, but for an extra £54, you get this chest packed full of, it looks lovely. Seriously, I'm, I'm all for a bargain. All for a bargain. Uh, Jane Moore asked Kerry, what's this doing to your kids? Uh, Kerry just didn't get it. No, all she was interested, you know, because she was so being brown-nosed by Colleen Nolan, you know, who's, uh, <laughs> whose own life doesn't really bear looking at, does it? Uh, the only one of the Nolans maybe not joining the rest of them for Christmas, because she's a little bit snooty like that, and she's far too busy anyway. And um, and it, it was just embarrassing. In case, oh, thank you, love. And I'm thinking, you've fallen for it, haven't you? You've fallen for this old guff that Kerry Katona's not going to be going out with anybody, not taking the wedding ring off. You know what the story is. I'm making that prediction now. But uh, she sold the story. She made front page. You know, I'm never going out with men ever again. I thought, what a blessed relief that would be for everybody in the world. And uh, then she sits in there going, I still love him. I still love him. And I'm thinking, you're going to go back with him and then sell the story. And it's going to be another photo shoot. That's the only way she knows how to make a living nowadays. She can't work because she's totally bloody useless. Totally useless. Uh, Teresa says, Kerry was one of the loose women a few years ago when she was married to Brian McFadden. Yes, I remember her sitting on television and saying, I'm a multimillionaire because I've got all this money. And I thought, no, you haven't. You've got absolutely nothing, do you? Nothing at all. And it's been proven, hasn't it? And uh, Patrick says, I could never understand Diane Abbott on TV. She swallows her words. Never heard of that, actually. Uh, big deal. Martin Sheen is uh, is sort of maybe bisexual. Well, he could be if, if these uh, stories in the papers are true, that there are films of him with men. But who cares? Who cares? Why do they actually sort of make such a big deal about it nowadays? Are they sort of going? Because he's a Hollywood celebrity, he can't possibly be bisexual. He sleeps with loads of women. But generally, somebody who sleeps with loads of women would be... Somebody who was a sex addict. I've heard of sex addicts before. In fact, there's quite a number in Hollywood. They've sort of cropped up and they just like sex. They're not particularly bothered who it's with or, or, or why, why they do it. They just sort of either get carried away through drink or, or drugs. And, uh, and things happen. Unfortunately, I've, I've only ever done the drink and nothing ever happens at all. It's always very disappointing. But um, I can imagine he would be... If he's claiming to have slept with 5,000 women, I'm assuming there must be a... There must be a, a, a few a few men that have nipped in there. There's loads of Hollywood stories about big celebrities and about the, the sexes of the people that they sleep with. Because America's very unforgiving. Whereas over here, nobody's particularly bothered, are they? I mean, nobody really gives a foray. They go, oh, oh right, so somebody slept with a man. <laughs> Who cares? Get a life, get over yourself. In America, because they're international stars, it can kill a career. I was thinking about it the other day and thinking, I remember when Johnny Mathis came out and said that he was uh, gay. And people went, Johnny Mathis is gay. And I'm thinking, where have you been? Are you sitting on a cloud somewhere with sort of blinkers on and you can't see this? Absolutely. But then, you know, they, they don't like it in America. You try thinking of openly gay actors in America and, and it, you're hard pushed. 
You're hard pushed to come up with a few. There might be a few rumours, but you're hard pushed to find somebody who actually admits it. I mean, some of them in America, some of them actually get married to women. They're called beards. The woman is called a beard because she's there to disguise the fact that the person she's married to isn't, in fact, heterosexual. They are, in fact, gay. Uh, but it would be bad for their career. They just they, they use they have big cover ups in America, and so they, they they will produce women who can escort somebody, and you see it time and time again. You think I know they're gay, I know they're gay, but they're with this woman, and they go, yeah, we're really together. And I'm thinking, no, you're not, no, you're not. It's for the purposes of publicity. It's because it can be uh, bad. Um, another one here, and Jenny says, what Kerry Katona. Uh, dragging her children through has nothing to do with love. You can only make so many bad choices. People start to question her pathetic neediness. Well, I mean, she's going, oh, I've got the children, I love the children. And then at one point she said there, because she she thinks she's really funny, I don't even like children. And I'm thinking, you are a pathetic waste of space, aren't you? Because she sat down with them, like she couldn't remember that we'd already seen this on the television, and she played back the thing about her talking about drugs to her children, who were very young at the time. I think one was seven, one was eleven. And uh, and you think to yourself, um, you know, it's I mean, what what is your purpose in life? And the answer is nothing. She doesn't do anything at all. And and it's it's rapidly the work is is drying up. So she's got to think of ways of making some money. So let's have the let's have the George thing. I think he's in court over allegations of of whatever it happens to be. And uh, and then I think they'll get back together again. And then she'll saw the story of that. And then I bet you anything they'll do. I think we can have our marriage blessed again. And you think, oh, in heaven, you're just like one of these useless people. You're a bit like Gemma Collins, who's also rumored to be going, as you know from yesterday's program, into Celebrity Big Brother House. Uh, her agent trying to flog the fact that she's an interesting person, as opposed to the fact she's just a shivering mass of blubber who turns up on the television and sobs her way through it and sleeps with the wrong people. We know that because she's told us about them. In fact, she's another one who flogs every aspect of her dreary existence. Must be awful when you're, when you're actually Gemma Collins and people look at you and go, what in God's name are you? What are you, for goodness sake? Uh, the studios are at Leavesden, says Niall. Leavesden, that's how it's pronounced, is it? Always somebody who knows better than me. I don't, I don't know these things. There's a place in the country I cannot pronounce at all. But I was watching a great programme yesterday on the television, uh, albeit too, uh, too briefly. And what it was looking at was people who thieve from outside charity shops. They made a programme about people who thieve outside charity shops. And, of course, I see it on a daily basis. People who, who thieve, people, you know, from sort of out of town, let's put it that way, and they come and they pick up back. They just pick them up and walk off. But what they did with this particular one, they tracked the rubbish that these people had picked up. They had a little tracker device in there. And I thought, it's a bit of a pointless programme. In fact, it, it, they were sort of stretching out. Everybody's been nicking from outside charity shops for God knows how many years. And they make a programme about it on the BBC. What a complete waste of time and money. People know it goes on. That's why the charity shops put notes on the windows. Don't leave your stuff outside. Bring it in in daytime hours, then we can have it. Because otherwise people nick it. You know, it's people who nick it and then they just, they just throw it away. They just throw it away. It's, it's an awful waste. But charity shops are big business now. Don't ever let anybody tell you they're not. It's big, big business, and they, uh, they thrive on your donations. Uh, another one here. Uh, everybody talk about the price of petrol coming down. Uh, Sue Ann, who's in Oxford, says, I've got a foundation. It's Mac. <laughs> it's Mac. <laughs> and Stuart, who's in Chatham, God knows what a dump that is, dear me. He says, I agree she lacks a bit of class. This is Kerry Katona, is talentless and has had a few drug problems. A few? Half of Columbia disappeared there, but she's still a cracking bit of totty. 
dear, honestly. I could use one of my very old jokes, but uh, but I won't, actually. <laughs> and uh, Julian says, I'm loving the passionate hate against the useless coach. It's not hate, it's just I've seen through the act. And the act is, she doesn't actually know how to do a day's work. And uh, now she's getting on, and the looks have faded, I'm afraid. But luckily for some people, they still find her interesting. And uh, I don't know what she's going to do. You know, fast forward two years... Do you think she might actually have to get a job or will the house have been... Because she only rents the house. She doesn't own anything. She doesn't actually have any money. She sort of spends it on the kids. I spend it on my kids. And then she'll probably have another one to sell the story of that. That's how she'll, she'll go through life until she gets to that stage where the public go, oh, for God's sake, dear, just grow up and get a life. Why don't you get up and work like a lot of other people do? But, uh, but she doesn't. Uh, 4.30 is the time. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 24th of November. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast Show. You're very welcome. Uh, Dan's got the tree up. Kids will be delighted. Delighted. Looks very nice this year. Very festive. Very nice. And uh, no doubt you're probably thinking about putting your trees up, ladies and gentlemen. Over in North Lincolnshire, well, in Scunthorpe, is uh, young Lynn. And um, she sent me a very nice box, actually. We've got light-up Christmas baubles in it. Very producer, very jealous, very jealous. We also got some cheesy balls and some wafer biscuits, which is lovely. So thank you very much indeed for that. She said, uh, I'm uh, uh, very much a part of your 4am spike, but also podcast the show and listen again at bedtime. Now, that's what I call a true addict. Lynn, thank you very much indeed for that. She said, uh, I haven't put sellotape on the box so you can reuse it. <laughs> you know, funny you should say that. I am reusing the box. She said, PPS, no glitter. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you for the uh, thank you for the card of the snowman, and uh, it's lovely. I hope you're uh, you're surviving up there in Scumthorpe, and it's not too chilly for you. Neil's got it all going for him at the moment. Young Neil, he says, Tiscali stroke talk talk. I've finally got the bullet for me after many years. I finally had enough of poor internet service. Never a mention of compensation. Oh, it's intermittent service. Anyway, pleased that the Christmas jumper has had such positive comments. The amount of people say to me, "Where'd you get them from? Where'd you get them?" I said, "I don't know. It was a gift from Neil." I don't know. The arm's coming along fine. It's going to be redressed again on Thursday. So it's we're, we're not out of the woods yet, but we are we are on the healing process. He had the 12-hour fasting for bloods. Now, you know, when I have the 12-hour fa- fasting, I can manage to do mine overnight. So, in fact, it's ideal because I have something to eat. And I go to bed at, say, 6.37. And by the time I get back to the doctors at 8 in the morning, I've done it. So that's OK. Anyway, he ended up doing 16 hours. He said, I thought I was going to disappear. I know, we all think that. It's funny, isn't it? You don't eat anything for ages and you think, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I wanted yesterday, I was going to bring some in here, tomato soup. And I thought, no, it'll, knowing me, I'll tip it down myself. I'm just accident prone at the moment. But uh, he says, just waiting for the results. Mine actually turned out not to be too bad. Not to be too bad. You know, passable, sort of. Uh, anyway, he's trying to win. Oh, sorry, I do beg your pardon. That's... <laughs> I'm trying. He says I'm trying to win a Rolls Royce. Yes, he said a Rolls, an old one, but nice all the same. Have a look on my Twitter and share if possible. He says, uh, oh, "Well, I hope you win it. I hope you win it. I mean, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That would be very, very nice." So, a friend of mine telling me he's uh, I, 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 he doesn't know, but actually, whenever I, I chat to him on the phone, I've got a camera built into my phone, and I can see into his flat. He doesn't know that I'm, I'm being I'm being covert. I think that's what they call it. And so yesterday he was sort of telling me, oh, I'm doing a bit of washing. He wasn't doing anything of the kind. He was just sitting in front of the television, just being lazy. And, uh, and I can see into his face. He doesn't know that there's a secret app on the telephone, which means you can see the person you're talking to without them knowing that you're seeing the person. 
So uh, I've, I've got all this information at my fingertip. He'll be furious this morning. He'll be absolutely furious that, uh, that I, I have this facility because he probably wants it on his, uh, on his phone, actually. And um, Mark says, why not get Katona in on In Conversation? I couldn't actually justify it. I couldn't actually justify it. You know, there are, you know, I wouldn't put anybody on like Daniela Westbrook, Kerry Katona. I wouldn't put Jordan on. I mean, apart from that, that the voice after two minutes would drive you absolutely insane. I'm not interested in these sort of people. You know, the, the Ola Jordans of this world, the Christina Rianoffs. I'm not interested in people who sort of just sort of hawk themselves around all over the place. I find it, I find it deeply disturbing, to be honest with you. I think that it's, uh, we, we've sort of lost, lost our, our purpose and our way in life when it comes to celebrities. Because any old Tom, Dick and Harry... Well, actually, any old Kerry, Jordan and uh, Christina can become celebrities nowadays. And then once they become a celebrity, they never kind of disappear. Never kind of disappear. Uh, Ian says there have been some great TV interviews. Frost and Nixon, Orson Welles on Parkinson and now Kerry Katona on Loose Women. Oh, it was the brown nosing trying to keep us sweet as opposed to asking that very basic question, which is, what do you do for a living? I was waiting for Jane Moore to say, so what do you do for a living? And she'd probably go, oh, I love my kids and, you know, just, just trying to make it. What do you do for a living? You know, you end up sort of becoming, but, but they didn't. So I was, I was a little bit disappointed, I'm afraid. A little bit disappointed to discover that, you know, they weren't as incisive with their questioning as they could have been. They could have been so much better with the questioning. They could have been, you know, so much. Let's sort of find out what makes her tick as opposed to some brown nosy or going, oh, you're really strong. The one thing she isn't is strong. The one thing she's got is an agent. And without that, she's got absolutely nothing at all. Roger says we're in Dubai, hot and sunny at 8 a.m. Oh, God, that sounds ghastly. <laughs> I only say that because, you know, I do not do heat. I don't actually I'd rather be cold than do and do heat, which is odd, isn't it, really? Now I've got my new thick coat again. Uh, and we're here visiting our daughter, Alison, and the grandchildren to celebrate her 40th birthday, and she follows you every day via the podcast. She says it's her link back to England. So happy birthday, Alison. I like being a link back to, uh, back to England. A lot of people tell me that. They do, uh, they do listen uh, all around the world. I mean, let's face it, they're listening in Scumthorpe. They're listening just about everywhere at the moment, which I like. And uh, Martin Lewis... Uh, I haven't actually looked uh, Riz at his hair on television. I haven't looked at his hair on television yet, but it does look like he's uh, he's maybe got a little bit of a dye job going on. Oh, so many people have. Remember when Philip Schofield used to dye his hair? It looked so much better when he stopped doing it. You know, it was like sort of... Br- oh, I'll tell you what I watched yesterday. I've got um, a five-CD box of Sunday Night at the London Palladium, hosted by Ted321 Rogers... Uh, hosted by Bruce Forsyth, good gay, good gay, and hosted by Jimmy Tarbuck. And it's got loads of people on there and loads of the acts. So it was very, very of its period. But on one of them in particular, it was, I think it was Ted Rogers who was hosting. And it was, a, it was really good. Uh, they had Cloda Rogers was on. Uh, Alan Stewart, the Scottish uh, comic and impressionist. And Alan and I used to correspond almost on a, a regular basis. But the, So it was nice to see him on there doing the act which he then became famous for. He was very good at doing impressions, a very likeable person, very sort, of, very sort of showbiz. But I know lots of showbiz people. Seriously, I, I know lots of you know, proper showbiz people. People are very established. But I tell you who was on there, and I, I, I watched the act, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Mike and Bernie Winters. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to go, Bernie Winters with, with, was with uh, Schnorbitz, and then he went on to do other... Eee, that's what he was. Eee, like that. But the act was really good. 
Really, really good. I mean, I'm seriously, I mean, I, I did watch it, and I'm very critical of sort of acts that I think, no, you're not putting 100% into it. They worked brilliantly together. I know towards the end, people drift apart. One went to live in America, one was over here. And, uh, but you watch the act. If you get the Sunday night at the London Palladium DVD out, it's, uh, it's five DVDs. In, in one box. And to be honest with you, it's great fun watching it. The, uh, the Dougie Squire second generation dancers who, uh, who are fabulous. They all, everybody's got long hair. All the boys have got long hair in this thing. So that's an indication of the years we're looking at the 70s. Uh, Clodagh Rogers looking absolutely gorgeous and lovely. And they had all sorts of people on. But it was Mike and Bernie Winters on this particular one. And I thought, now that was a good... It was so carefully crafted. And they sang... And it was a little bit Jewish and a little bit... It was, it was just a bit of everything. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely... It was, it was wonderful to watch. And I remember thinking as I'm, as I'm watching it, I must remember to tell everybody this morning, because I reckon members of the family will be listening to this programme. If they're not, word will get back to them. Steve Allen was, was really bigging up Mike and Bernie Winters, because I thought they were at top of their game. Top of their game on that. Top of their game. I, I loved it. I thought they were absolutely... Absolutely brilliant. It was great. So I, I love watching stuff like that. Old programmes. I've seen some shocking people on television. But on this Sunday night at the London Palladium, it was like a variety show. Because the Palladium was. It was Hengler's, wasn't it? It was a, it was a circus and it became music hall. And, and you could still go there. It's fascinating to go inside the Palladium and, and look at the, the people who appeared on that stage. Everybody from Judy Garland all the way through to Liberace. I mean, all the big stars were there. If you really want to watch a good show and you want to see how London reacted, go to YouTube and type in Judy Garland at the London Palladium. And uh, I think it was the first time she'd ever appeared there. It was cracking stuff. Cracking stuff. Uh, the Freemasons get mentioned in the papers today. In fact, they get mentioned in quite a few papers. They're asking the question, are they even more powerful than people thought? Did they cover up the Titanic? Did they, did they cover... There's all sorts of things that they're, they're laying claim to. They aren't, but other people are laying claim that the Freemasons are very powerful. Now, I've got friends who are Freemasons, and the way it's always been described to me is it's a charity. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I might get this completely wrong, but this is the way I see it. I've been up to their temple, which is in Covent Garden, which is huge. It's vast. They filmed in there. It's just enormous. And people have asked me if I wanted to be a, a Freemason before. There were lots of lodges that meet around my way. And I've never found the need for it. But I always thought it was like a bartering system. So in other words, if I've actually got a bicycle shop and Will has got a, a florist and I say, well, I'd, I'd quite like some flowers for my daughter's wedding coming up. And he says, well, I'd quite like some bicycles. You do a trade-off. And they do a lot for, for charity. But there's this other side to it. They say that Freemasons are in the police force and judges. But of course it can be anybody. It can be absolutely anybody. Anybody can join, provided you're prepared. And I've known people go crackers trying to learn everything to move up the lines of Freemasonry. But that's what they do. I never question anything. I, don't. I mean, if I thought, seriously, I could stand, you know, in a court of law in this country and do a secret sign and they go, uh, dismissed, you know, <laughs> you'd be there straight away, wouldn't you? And that's what they say it is like. But they're saying, are they very powerful? I should imagine there are powerful forces out there, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I wouldn't even begin to understand. But it doesn't matter. That's what makes up the rich tapestry of life. As long as it's not too sinister, we kind of get away with it. And I, sometimes I look at this country and I think, I don't know what we're heading into, but I don't quite like the look of it. Anything that can drag us out of the mire and get rid of all the threats and the aggression and everything else, I think it's got to be a good thing. 14 minutes to five. This is LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. I always like to, uh, to jog people's memories on uh, the show. And Pete... 
says, my dad worked for the Evening News and took me there one day, Bouvery Street. I remember the lorries with the huge uh, reams of paper being delivered and the walkway above joining the building on the other side of the very narrow street. Dad used to like a tipple in the cartoonist after work. So many did, Pete. So many did. (laughs) Happy memories, happy days back in the late 60s. Thank you for bringing it back to me. That's what we like to hear. I like to hear that we've uh, jogged your memory. And, uh, and, uh, And Mark who's currently doing... He's still doing the knowledge. Yes, you must still be doing the knowledge, must you? He says, you're right. Freemasons could be, could be anybody. Well, I mean, it, you know, I don't think it's a particular person. I've often said, you know, the people who listen to this, this programme, you've got no idea until you meet people. I don't know if somebody's black. You know, somebody writes in to me. I don't know if they're black, white, green, pink, gay, straight, you know, Jewish, orthodox. I've got no idea. Not a clue. And that's, that's the nice thing about it. You don't know. There might be people listening now who, who do practice Freemasonry. There might be people going... Because every time they've ever done it on daytime programmes, and it's it, it appeared as if it was an attack on Freemasonry. It's amazing how many people sort of, you know, come out of the woodwork and go, listen, let me tell you what Freemasonry is. And people try and explain it. I, I, I know a lot more about Freemasonry than I'm telling you now, because I've got friends who are Freemasons. But it's, it's a case of somebody's just a member of a club, isn't it, really? It's a member of a club. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is uh, from um, bam, 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 bam. Uh, another one here. This is from. Have you heard anything about Michael Schumacher? No, no. I've heard anything about Michael Schumacher. Was that the one who was in hospital and he was very, very ill? As far as I know, he was sort of he was he was sort of getting there, getting there. Kerry Katona apparently appeared on Through the Keyhole last year in a big pad in Surrey. It's rented. Rented and Scylla was on the panel and didn't pull any punches when uh, when it was revealed her house. Uh, but of course she's you know Kerry Katona has been bankrupt twice, so that's what she does. And um, you know people so in fact really she shouldn't have put the house on there because it wasn't her house. Going through the keyhole, some people go on there if they're selling it, if they're selling it, and and it's a way of getting some free publicity. Uh, it's like on the uh, the celebrity come dine with me. Uh, if the celebrity doesn't want their house used then they, um, they actually have other houses and flats that they can use. Biggins didn't use his house. He used uh, another one. But uh, he still won. He still won. I'd forgotten actually as well that Kerry Coke Toner won uh, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and then still went bankrupt twice. I can't, I can't quite work out, you know, where her money goes, I suppose, on all those children. But there again, never let it be said that we can actually advise somebody on having children or not having children. Uh, front page of The Sun today. Here she is, skinny wretch herself. Poor old Cheryl Spagbot. How old is she? I mean, is she, is she very young but just looks very old? Or is she very old looking, looking very old? And so she's angry again because you know she's got a temper on her. You do know she's got a really vile temper. And uh, Lord Sugar was saying the other day, she's too thin. Which, of course, she is. Uh, She blames it on just about everything under the sun. But, you know, uh, she says here, she's refused to respond publicly. Oh, she's 32. Good Lord. But, as I say, you know she's got foul mouth as well. And she says, uh, a pal says, it feels like bullying, body shaming. It was a ridiculous thing to do. He's deliberately trying to provoke her. No, he's not. He's just got an opinion, dear. Luckily, we're in a free country. You can actually have an opinion, surprisingly, isn't it? You're too thin, Cheryl. But the one who looks the worst at this thing the other day, this uh, the British Fashion Awards, it was who could get away with wearing the least. And unfortunately, poor Molly King. I know. Molly who? Apparently, she was in a group ages ago. She might as well have just not bothered wearing anything. It's a total tarts outfit. I mean, really, it's just... I mean, and also, if you're not blessed with great looks, and Molly King is not blessed with great looks, she's average. 
She's what they call average. When you look at Rosie Huntington Wheatley, uh, Whitley, she's, she's very attractive. Molly King just looks like a truck driver who's about to advertise a Mars bar. And, uh, and you've got Rita Ora, who's got tattoos, which always looks somewhat cheap and chavvy. Uh, Pixie Lott, does she ever stay in? And, and somebody called Jordan Dunn, but I don't know who Jordan Dunn is, so it doesn't help. But Molly King is wearing an outfit, and somebody said here, uh, one, one gust of wind and she'd have shown everything. I mean, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit, I don't know what you call this outfit, actually, apart from tarty. And, um, as I say, when you're not really blessed with height and you're not really blessed with looks, I suppose you might as well just sort of stand there stark naked, dear. That's about it. It's a shame, really, because I'm sure she's probably very sweet. She's going out with a model, I think. David Gandhi, I'm sure they're, they're going out. Cheryl turned up looking like uh, last year's Christmas decoration and just does her one standard pose because I'm worth it. I'm not going to dignify myself by talking about what Lallan Sugar said about my weight. You know, like, of course, Cheryl Cole has never had an opinion about anybody. That's the trouble, you see. She has no idea that what she's doing is criticising somebody, and yet that's what she does. She's in the business of criticising. You weren't very good, you were this and that. There you go. Solve the problem. You know, get over yourself, dear. You're not that clever person you think you are. In fact, we know you're not that clever person. Christina Rianoff is... Um, busting to waltz away from Strictly Come Dancing. You look at the picture, she looks like she's out of a Russian catalogue for Would you like this girl to turn up at your hotel in 20 minutes' time? The Russian beauty. Dear God, they're much better looking than this in Russia, I tell you. Uh, was posing in suspenders and black lingerie. Uh, I've got no idea why. Perhaps she's a bit desperate for things like that. Who she's with at the moment, I've got no idea. But uh, last night... Oh, God, she's 38. She's with Ben Cohen. I bet his ex-wife is looking at her going, God. she's holding her stomach in, you can see that straight away. But uh, a beauty she's not. At the age of 38, she's practically building shelves to sit on. She's, she looks a bit like Nancy DeLolio on a bad day. And Nancy DeLolio doesn't actually have good days. But a sad story in the paper today of a shop assistant. His name's Omar Baldi. That's a good character out of a film, doesn't it? Monsieur Baldi. Uh, he was on a day off from work uh, at All Saints. I don't know what All Saints is. But anyway, he goes back into work on his day off. And who pops in there but Eddie Redmayne? And so um, uh, he told the manager when, when he popped in, he said he was going to speak to Eddie Redmayne. But his boss said it would be embarrassing. Uh, journalism student Omar said, I was very polite. He was nice and friendly. Uh, anyway, he was fired because he had a selfie taken with Eddie Redmayne. And that goes against... Uh, celebrity privacy. When somebody goes into a shop, um, they want to be left alone. Sometimes they, they don't mind it. Uh, Eddie Redmayne didn't look as though he minded it at all, but they do have a they do have a policy. However, a shop store says he wasn't sacked for this one incident. It was the tip of the iceberg. So obviously, you know, if he's training to be a journalist, he's, not, he's just working in a shop, I suppose, to kind of make ends meet. But you're, you're not supposed to approach celebrities. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. I thought the whole idea of being a celebrity was you wanted to be approached by people to go, I like your work and have some pictures taken. With you. I had loads of pictures taken of me the other day, but I'm not a celebrity. Not like Eddie Redmayne. I'm just somebody who's on the radio. But Eddie Redmayne had a picture taken. It's a good picture. And... Um, and this, uh, this, uh, this, this bloke decided he wanted a, a picture taken with him. I mean, I, I know various restaurants. If people go up to celebrities in various restaurants, the management are very quick to whiz over there to go, excuse me, can you, uh, you know, just move away from the table? Because if somebody's going out to a restaurant, they want to sit there and have their dinner. And I've sat in restaurants with famous people and people have come over to the table and you think, you know, we're just having dinner. You know, is it possible you can just go away? <laughs> trying to think of some way to be polite about it. And uh, Nigella Lawson is risking the wrath 
of fans after filming a Christmas special, but no turkey recipes. Her new series, Simply Nigella, has enraged fans. I don't know why. If they're fans, why would they be enraged? If you're a fan, you don't really care what somebody does. So she had mashed up avocado on toast and roast lettuce. Now she plans to offer up black treacle ham. Well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Sweet and sour vegetables and um, instead of traditional dinner. And a suggestion for using up leftovers, a mix of ham, sprouts, chilli, pineapple and fried egg. Ooh, yummy, yum, yum. I like the idea of black treacle ham, though, don't you? That, to me, sounds like she's going to get a ham, drizzle it in, in black treacle and then let it sort of marinate, I suppose. I don't, I don't actually know. We'll have to watch the programme, but it doesn't bother me. I mean, I do like turkey and, and we do have it at Christmas, even though traditionally... We should have goose, but we, we eat turkey and it's got to be... Isn't it funny? We've got to have crispy roast potatoes. You've got to have sprouts. I know you don't like them. You've got to have the pigs in blankets. And you've, you've just got to have... All, the only thing I can't bear is bread sauce. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Whoever invented bread sauce needs taking out and shooting. I could never stand it. It would always appear on the table and I'd look at it and i think, perhaps I should try some. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's just, it's not uh, not a nice thing. Not a nice thing to eat. Although I do like stuffing, but it's got to be sage and onion. Now they do sage and apricot, you know, and, this, and they're, they're so fancy. They're so, they're so all-consuming. And each, you know, supermarket tries to come up with a better stuffing each and every year. So it's, it's apricot with blackcurrant coolie or something like that, which makes it sound quite... I actually had a lovely blackcurrant uh, creme brulee the other day. Blackberry, black, yeah, no, blackcurrant creme brulee. God, it was delicious. And it came with a really sharp sorbet. And it was like a tangy raspberry or so, whatever it was. It was delicious. Absolutely delicious. I like that a lot, actually. Uh, Sunday, the 6th of December, it's the Bernardo's toy run in Reading. 4,000 motorcyclists riding through Reading. And then on to Bernardo's. Great day, says Jason, the Warburton's driver. Oh, blimey. I'm glad I'm not in Reading for that one. 4,000, really. God, that's an, that's an awful lot, isn't it, of people down there. Uh, apparently... Steve, being a mason uh, is not that different from you being in the magic circle. Shh, don't say that. He says there are things you can't reveal. Yes, I mean, I'm a member of the inner magic circle. Even more exciting. You know, people say to me, oh, do you know how things work? And you go, yeah, most things, yes. Most things, you know how they work. And other things, you know, I'll I'll phone somebody up if I've seen somebody on the the television doing something. And I'll say, how do you think that was? And they'll say, well, watch this. and, and, And so you work that out. You're right. I keep secrets for the, for the magic circle. Uh, the news stories which are trending this morning. The UK could be at war with Syria by next week. The taxi driver who uh, told Francis Barber, I was disgustingly dressed. He's a private hire driver. He's an Uber driver. You won't believe the story. Harry Styles turns up wearing a duvet. You've never seen anything like it. Hilarious outfit. If ever you were wanting to look like the biggest plonker in the world, this you have achieved. Janet Street Porter would ban children from restaurants and cafes. I'd like to ban Janet Street Porter. And Tesco send out a dinner service, 24 pieces, packed inside 48 boxes. It's unbelievable. You want to see it. And they still arrive broken. It's LBC. On L- this is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 24th of November. I can't believe it either. I mean, it's about a month, isn't it? Four weeks away from doing We Wish You a Merry... No, we're already doing We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Uh, Ronnie Corbett tops the festive bill at the age of 85. They're going to do a retrospective of him, so he'll be there. We've got a list of the programmes that you will be watching over Christmas. 
Uh, Tesco sends out this dinner set, 24 pieces. Each piece is packed in its own box. 48 boxes, and they still managed to break five of them. Uh, the cinema's facing the boycott over the prayer ban. I don't think so. And Lady Colin Campbell's son said his mother's being bullied in the jungle. Zip it. She knows what she's doing. She's not that stupid. Um, Emily's life on the cobbles. A record festive splurge. And Charlie Sheen again. Oh, dear. This time, uh, video emerges, we're told, of him with men and women. Not that I think it may... I don't know why I'm making such a big deal about it. Uh, plus, uh, who's got what it takes to win strictly? And loneliness increases the risk of an early death. No need to be lonely. No need to be... All you have to do is turn on the radio. No need to be lonely at all. Especially at this time of the morning. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you are, who you are. We don't care. We don't... You know, you don't have to... It's a nice club to be part of. The 4am spike. We're here every morning at 4 till 630 uh, and we have a celebrity programme over the weekend with two well-known uh, voices and faces. And this week is no different. Uh, plus, we're here on Saturday morning as well, just to make sure we can ease you into the weekend with the best of Steve Allen between five and seven. So there's no excuse for loneliness. I don't want anybody sort of ever writing in going, I'm feeling a bit lonely. I do get that occasionally. And then they go, and then I discovered your programme. Now I'm even worse. <laughs> Only joking. Only joking. Um, what else do we have as well? Oh, yes, the uh, 15 years for the wife who put antifreeze in her husband's festive drink. It was a cherry Lambrini, apparently. I don't even know what it is, but it sounds quite nice. Not really very good with antifreeze. So she's got 15 years in prison. He said, my life will never be the same again. Uh, and it's Groom Up North. Groom Up North. There's the play on the words. As uh, folk up there pamper themselves more than in the South. That's good, isn't it? I, don't, I think it's quite good that people pamper themselves. And uh, another one here, it's uh, Umi and Ealing, who's in India, holidaying, 26 degrees. Oh, God. <laughs> that sounds ghastly. Double it and add 30. Looking at the, at the top end, aren't you? Top end of the 80s. Not so nice. Not so nice. And um, another one here. Is there another sleazy scandal, Steve, going on at the Conservative Party? Yes, there is. And uh, this one's going to, to run for a little bit. It's allegations of, you know, um, an expelled Tory who planned to buy a pad for his lover with his wife's money. And so he goes, there's some, obviously some very nasty people in there. Very nasty people. Uh, the, other, um, the other picture in the paper is, uh, as well, of uh, here she is trying desperately for that last five seconds of fame. And it's George Shelley in the jungle. Uh, you won't know who he is because he's not quite well known enough. You know that he's in a group called Union J, but they're not, they're not big enough to be sort of big, big, big. And Yorgi Porter wearing her little skimpy bikini and with full makeup on. Because without makeup, she's unrecognisable. Could be a bloke. Could be a bloke. But with full makeup on and she's uh, massaging him. And uh, Tony Harris, who is. Who's Toby Harris? Wait a minute. Oh, that's right. Uh, the singer's mum. So he's George Shelley. She's Tony Harris. And she says, I think Yorgi is lovely. She's invited for Christmas. Are you mad or something? She's done the round. She's been round the block four times and she's still going round. She picks up men and drops them like they're going out of fashion. She's only doing this for publicity purposes. God, blimey, you can't be that dumb, surely. Your son's in a group. Lady C trials super unfair. Her son has slammed it. His name's Dimmer. It's, 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 it's pronounced Dima, but uh, it's D-I-M-A. And he said it was the, uh, the country versus one lady. Grow up, get over yourself. Listen, she's making money for the roof, dear. You just carry on working and don't sort of worry about it. She's far stronger than quite clearly you'll ever be. Oh, dear, Lord above. Slap the stylist as Harry Styles turns up wearing the curtains. 
I've never seen anybody look so ridiculous in my... The other group must be looking at him, the other members of the group going, what are you wearing? But as Harry's the show-off in the group, somebody's obviously said, put this on. Do you remember when Bob Geldof turned up? He bought, a, I think, a Vivian Westwood sunflower suit. And because it was the only one he had, and it was the only thing that sort of tried to make him look vaguely fashionable, he thought people looking at him with envy was, in fact, were all pointing and laughing. And he wore it for just about everything. Every time he turned up on the television, there he was wearing this stupid suit again. And this is what Harry Styles looks like. It does look like somebody's, somebody's made up the curtains. It's a bit like you could see him going into The Sound of Music singing, you know, these are a few of my favourite things, but this wouldn't be one of them. This would be the curtains that got away by themselves. He looks absolutely ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous, but of course fails to see the irony, whereas I, I see the irony. I love things like that. I love things like that. It just makes me laugh, actually. And um, uh, another one here. Uh, this is about uh, Kerry Katona. I heard has mental health issues. No, she was bipolar. Bipolar. And uh, having children should be discouraged. Well, she didn't get the bipolar till much later. That came in after the children. The bipolar bit seemed to start, I think, just before she'd uh, she'd been on with Philip Schofield on the television. And we ended up with that infamous interview uh, where he said people have been phoning up saying they're very worried about you. She'd go, I'm all right. I'm all right. And quite clearly she wasn't all right. Quite clearly she wasn't. And then went on to have other children, having had all these issues, and she had the... Dr- but then I think... A lot of these issues stem from drugs. We've, uh, we've kicked Spencer Matthews out of the jungle, mainly because he's stupid, because he was taking steroids. And, um, and he will probably sell his story this week. I'm never wrong on these people. Sometimes it takes a little while, but I bet you anything, over the last two days, Spencer Matthews has been talking to a national newspaper, and they will pay him a huge sum of money to talk about taking steroids and being kicked out of the jungle. I mean, it's hilarious, isn't it? You know, it's almost like you could sort of sit here... And you could sort of kill the producer. and th- No, I mean, I d- this is only figuratively speaking. And then, and then a newspaper would come to you and go, do you want to sell the story, Steve, of how you can go from being, you know, bubbly at that time of the morning to, uh, to killing the producer? And you go, I don't know, just had a bad day. Perhaps I'd had a chocolate or something like that. I don't know. And that's exactly the same. We seem to reward people now for bad behaviour. So, so when you get somebody like Spencer Matthews, who is, who is no guiding light to anybody at all, he's a, a complete and utter buffoon, who takes steroids and then goes on to a television programme where they're not giving him steroids. And so he has hallucinatory dreams and wakes up. He was screaming and shouting and, and everything else. And then they have to get rid of him. Have to get rid of him. You can't encourage something like that on television. He's not fit for purpose. He wasn't. But of course, it does explain all the erratic behaviour that we've had from him. Because that's what it does. That's what drugs do. People, people fantasise. You give somebody hallucinogenic drugs, they imagine all sorts of things. Oh, look, there's flowers growing out of the table. Oh, I pick armfuls. Oh, I can fly. I'm flying around the room. I'll fly out the window. Dead. That's how dangerous it is. But people don't see that, do they? So when Kerry Katona sits down and discusses with her children about the cocaine she shoved up her nose, I just think, that's about as far as it goes, isn't it, really? And yet we still put her on the television. Still put her on the television. Loose women, never be the same again, will it? Never be the same again. So in the case of Kerry Katona, she makes her living selling stories about every aspect of her life. Every time she, uh, as they sneezes or dyes her hair a different colour, you know, or loses weight, it goes in, in OK magazine. Nobody else is interested. It's only OK magazine that will sort of bung her a few thousand quid for her to tell her story. And for some reason, certain people, probably Jeremy Kyle addicts, would want to read about this uh, this person and the things she doesn't get up to because she certainly doesn't do a day's work. I don't think she's ever done a day's work in her life. You know, it's all a bit too much and she cries and everything else and can't do it. And you sort of you think that's what Gemma Collins is like, isn't it? But she's she's slightly older and certainly fatter. Uh, what else do we have? Oh yes, Jennifer Lopez. Was it Jennifer Lopez? I think it was uh, J Lo. 
She turned up in one evening in, I think, something like 11 or 12 outfits. In one evening. In one evening. Every time she appeared on stage, she had a different outfit on. Um, I suppose to actually sort of get some sort of attention. You have to do that, though. If, if you don't wear different outfits then you're only going to get the one picture of the paper. But if you have lots of different outfits with you, you're going to, uh, you're going to get lots of different pictures. And that's exactly what she's managed to get. Cherry Lambrini, one ninety nine pence a bottle, says Les. Sounds delightful, doesn't it? Cherry Lambrini. Anyway, it was laced with, uh, with antifreeze. It was like in, they had the, the same trouble in Austria some years ago. There was a batch of wine that came out with glucol in it, which was their version of antifreeze. So people were becoming really, really ill. Uh, here's the the poor lady, Joanne Murphy. She ordered a 24-piece dinner service from Tesco and was stunned when it arrived in 48 boxes. Um, every plate, bowl and mug in the £60 set was in a box within a bigger box, stuffed with paper, but five items were still broken. She said it was laughable. After everything was unwrapped, we couldn't see the floor. And you look at all the all the boxes and <laughs> you can't believe that Tesco have actually done this. She comes from Ashton-under-Lyme in Greater Manchester. She said... Um, and she actually complained to Tesco after the first two bowls were delivered in four boxes. Then the rest of the set was delivered the same way. She said the driver was as astonished as we were. I bet. A Tesco spokesman said the amount of packaging was a blunder. Yes, a big blunder. A big blunder. Uh, the other story that's in the paper today, and I'll tell you this just before we go to the news, is a mum who cried rape um, after having sex on her f- with her fiancé's boss days before a wedding. It was yesterday spared jail because of her children, Sophie Tucker, flirted with former sailor Carl Williamson and sent him saucy texts and naked snaps. If you saw a picture, you'd be going, ooh, dear, maybe not. She invited him to her home, pulled him onto the sofa, and uh, as he left, he bumped into her partner, and uh, then he, uh, she claimed she'd been attacked. Mr Williamson spent seven hours in custody and 24 days on police bail before Sophie Tucker who comes from Devon, finally confessed to police. She admitted perverting the course of justice and uh, sentenced to 18 months, suspended for two years. She's quite clearly a very nasty piece of work. And uh, and the judge says he didn't want her children, age one and two, to suffer. I should imagine, actually, judge at the age of one and two, they wouldn't know whether she was there or whether she wasn't there. After the hearing, he said, I was looking at a potential seven years behind bars. Yes, I have to... uh, Mr Williamson was hoping it would have been that. What a horrible person she is. But anyway, she's been spared jail. Can't imagine why. Doesn't really send out the right message at all. Children one or two, and she's got a partner. He can look after them. They can go and do visits, can't they? Go and do visits. Uh, what did they have in the paper? Oh, that's right. They did have former addicts reliving the horror that ruined Spencer's jungle hopes because he's an idiot. Honestly, it only goes to prove, doesn't it, the better educated, the more dumb they become. And he is about the dumbest of the dumb. And so they've got loads of people. Calvin, who says, the I was so depressed on the drugs. Uh, Adam says I was obsessed with being a hard man and one bloke says uh, steroids were great till my heart exploded at the age of 34 and so Spencer Matthews got away quite lightly didn't he really but still a buffoon with uh, with first class honours quarter past five it's Steve Allen uh, with the early breakfast on LBC with Nick at seven David Cameron says the foreign aid budget will be refocused on states who pose a direct threat to British security as the PM finally listened on foreign aid and as the government prepares to make its case for joining operations against the Islamic State, are we ready to bomb Syria? And Lord Sugar tells us why the cycle's superhighway is not just bad for London, but disastrous for business. That and many other items with Nick and the team after seven, which is after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers for Nick today, Susie Boniface, freelance journalist. She's written for just about everybody.
so the the mail have got a picture of poor Harry Styles, uh, who has no style at all. In fact, they say it's rather unfortunate that the fabric that he's wearing looks and bears a striking resemblance to a £30 bed linen set from Ikea. We're told, though, it's from Gucci and it's worth more than £3,000, which only goes to prove a fool and his money must be parted quite easily because he looks like the prized turnip that he is. You've never seen anything look so... Everybody else is wearing a suit, but there again, the attention-seeking Mr Styles. And I hope to God it's going to work in his uh, musical career after One Direction finishes. But uh, wearing clothes like this isn't going to help or attract anybody at all, I'm afraid. Frances Barber is an actress. And she's a very well-known actress. Uh, She turns up the other day uh, because she went along to the Evening Standard Theatre Awards. And afterwards, she she gets into an Uber cab. She's booked it through uh, through the mobile phone app. And so the car turns up. Unfortunately, she was verbally accosted by a Shariah taxi driver. I didn't even know there was such a thing, but apparently a Shariah taxi driver. Uh, she'd been at the Old Vic Theatre. She said, um, uh, in her tweet, she says, I get Uber out of the Old Vic, and the driver says, as a woman, I shouldn't be alone at night, and I'm disgustingly dressed. So she, she's been to an award ceremony. She's terribly well known, quite clearly not to this idiot. Anyway, she'd worn a demure black ensemble, high-neck top and floor-length skirt to the event, which was attended by loads of other people. She then booked a taxi through Uber, which sends your location to the company's nearby cars, one of which will pick you up. She said she mentioned it was a cold night, to which the driver responded, well, if you weren't so disgustingly dressed. When one of her Twitter followers asked how she reacted, she said she was so angry, she got out of the cab, slammed the door and yelled. I don't know what she yelled. Uber has apologised for the incident. They haven't actually said what uh, action they're going to take or whether or not the driver has been suspended. I mean, I would quite clearly think he sounds like he's a bit of a danger or a worry to women. If you aren't, I mean, she's dressed very properly. I mean, really very, very properly. Just said it was a cold night. And uh, and then he sort of taked, uh, sort of took to, uh, to task about it. But uh, Uber said we take these situations very seriously. Well, let's wait and see, shall we? I mean, I'm assuming somebody like this who harbours these thoughts, you kick them out immediately. Would, it, would that not be that not be right? Far too dangerous, isn't it? Far too dangerous. Anyway, she's uh, she's she's very well very well known. The Daily Mail last night, uh, TFL contacted the actress to ask for further details, but told the Daily Mail last night it would not launch an investigation and would leave the matter to Uber. Well, you know. If you're a woman getting an Uber and you've got a Shariah driver, be careful. You're bound to get a complete load of abuse, which is not the best thing, is it? Not the best thing. Uh, Gary says uh, from Hyams Park, uh, I did find the overdoor hanging hooks big enough. Uh, not Costco, no. And uh, we have had Dawn French for in conversation twice. Twice Dawn French has been on in conversation, which is good. Uh, managed to find the uh, the toffee vodka, Steve. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, Siobhan says, Lady C is fantastic. She makes me laugh. Everybody else is jealous. Well, the trouble is, she is just a gobby, stuck-up woman who's who's not the full shilling. I think that, that sums her up very well. She quite clearly thinks she's something special. I mean, she didn't actually have a career. She brought a book out years ago. She's quite clearly got another one. But as I say, we were all told when she went in, oh, she knows loads of gossip about the royal family. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. All she did was repeat what everybody else had told her. And so this time round, she said nothing. I've heard anything that's remotely interested. Now we've dragged out the dreary son who claims she's being bullied in there. Well, you know, she can give as good as she gets. If anything, she's doing the bullying. Have you seen her laying into people? Perhaps her son needs to sort of take the, uh, take the sort of the blinkers off his eyes and the sunglasses and watch the television a bit, a bit more carefully. I'm sure she must have explained to you, Dimmer, 
exactly what was going on in the jungle. I mean, you can't be that stupid at 22, surely not. Have you watched your mother bullying and shouting at people? Ghastly. But the worst thing was standing under a shower. Oh, dear. Nearly, nearly ill on that one. Nearly ill. Have you seen Policeman recently, by the way? I only mention it. The thin blue line is vanishing. Seven in ten of us rarely see a policeman. I see them going up and down Twickenham High Street in vehicles, and some I wave to and some wave to me, because I know a, I know a few of them. But you don't actually see them on the beat very often, do you? Not, not that often. I see a few in Leicester Square in the morning when I come in, but I think they're there just generally to keep the peace because of all the, uh, the drunks and stuff like that. And now we've got the fun fair in the middle. Do you know, it only took them a day to get the, uh, the carousel up. The big wheel has gone uh, there as well. I love things like that. Honestly, bright lights and Ferris wheels and, and candy floss and toffee apples and horrid hot dogs. I like all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm a sucker for it. Janet Street Porter. I mean, honestly, the ramblings of an old deluded woman now. And uh, they say this, this item will either make you cheer or want to tip spaghetti hoops over the author's head. If I thought it would do any good, uh, we'd tip the spaghetti hoops. Why I'd ban children from cafes and restaurants. And so they're, they're, they're trying to drum something up. The trouble is nobody takes any notice of her anymore. She's passed her sell-by date. She passed it some years ago. Now she's just a woman who goes walking and does her programme with Brian, one of the chefs, where she sort of stands and goes, Wow, Brian. And that's about as far as you go with it. So in, a, in an effort to be controversial, I'd ban children from cafes and, and restaurants. I say, I'd quite like to see Janet Street Porter banned from cafes and restaurants and television and shops and moving outside her home. In fact, just about anything. Just about anything. <laughs> Janet Street Porter. Aren't Britain's cats clever? They've got a cat here called uh, Millie Moos. I always worry about people who call cat Millie Moos. But uh, Victoria and William go on the school run. The cat goes with them. Uh, there's another one here, a cat who can rattle the door knocker to let people know he's outside. Uh, one who can uh, open biscuits, you know, by just ripping them apart. But, of course, the best one was the cat on the television who could eat with his paw. They'd open the tin of food, he'd put his paw in, eat off his paw, and we thought that was terribly clever, didn't we? I thought it was terribly clever. At the time, I thought it was very, very clever. And um, uh, Ian says, I had a curtain suit like Harry Styles. Help me pull myself together. Thank you. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, they, I mean, Harry Styles, I mean, if ever there was a classic case of here's, here's the group... And here's Harry Styles. That's what it looks like. He looks ridiculous. You know, whichever way you look at it, he couldn't look any more stupid if he if he put a lampshade on his head. It really is dumb. But and, and to then discover it costs three thousand quid. I think one of the papers by tomorrow will have bought the IKEA thirty pound duvet and had it knocked up into a suit and go. Can you tell the difference? And the answer is probably not. Probably not. It's amazing what you can get. I mean, I always used to think, you know, will you? Uh, when you actually sort of have all these people who wear all these bizarre clothes. It is like the Emperor's New Clothes, isn't it? The King is in the altogether, the altogether. It's like that. They, they say to him, this is very... I mean, Ivana Trump and her daughter Ivanka used to uh, go out in the most bizarre outfits because they used to sort of spend... I mean, look at poor old Colleen Rooney. Poor creature. Honestly, have you seen some of the stuff they're flogging her? And she puts it on and you go, oh, God, love, it's not you, Really? It's, I mean, the worst dressed, of course, as you know, is, is poor Jordan. I mean, that woman, because she spent most of her time with her clothes off, so when it comes to putting clothes on, she's got no idea what to wear. Most of her stuff looks, looks cheap and tacky, but that's her, her sort of image, isn't it? Dolly Parton looks trashy but laughs about it. Uh, Jordan takes herself terribly, terribly seriously. <laughs> but, of course, not. Uh, somebody's in Norfolk now. Poor Iris is up there. Oh, God, I bet you're freezing. Freezing, freezing, freezing up there. Further up the country, you get the colder it gets. Down south uh, this morning, it's uh, it's OK. It's not... T- it is still chilly. 
It is still still chilly down here. Uh, somebody reckons that there are many uh, minicab drivers sympathetic to ISIS. Well, I mean, I'd be stupid to realise that they weren't, I would think you find. I mean, they, um, didn't they do a programme on the telly last night where they found these uh, Muslim women who were sort of delighted that ISIS existed. I mean, I just thought that they were sort of the ugly ones who didn't actually understand anything because they didn't really have a brain cell. But they managed to to find them with this undercover filming and they found these people who were sympathetic to what ISIS were doing. I mean, they really were the stupid ones. It was uh, hilarious, hilarious. And um, another one here which says uh, bipolar is a mental health disorder, as you're well aware. She must have paid tax, thus making her eligible to receive benefits. She, she wasn't drunk. She's, she's already discussed this. She mustn't, uh, mustn't read something into, uh, into Kerry Katona's life that doesn't exist. She was quite clearly not a very well person at all. Uh, have you ever had David Attenborough for In Conversation? Yes, absolutely. Yes, probably twice, actually, I think. You might have been in twice. I can't remember, actually. I don't think there's many people we haven't had in. They all, they all come in for the, uh, for the programme. Uh, 75% of leading judges went to private school. Did they, really? Well, that's good. At least, at least you know that you've got somebody educated. And uh, the three cinema chains that banned the advert uh, featuring the Lord's Prayer last night faced a furious backlash from moviegoers. What a load of old codswallop. Of course they won't. Of course they won't. Why would, why would you worry about what somebody thought about whether we were showing an ad or not showing an ad? What are you telling me now? 90% of uh, cinema audiences are Christian. Nobody ever asked anybody what they are when they go into uh, to book a ticket. Apparently, thousands threatened to boycott film. Oh, God in heaven. I'm oh, sorry, God in heaven. Of course he is. Uh, but, I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Film fans bombarded the cinema chain's social media sites over the ruling. Oh, dear, honestly. It's one of these silly internet campaigns, isn't it? It sort of builds up and then people go, oh, I'll, I'll write to them as well. I shall never attend your cinema ever again. Where do you live? Afghanistan. You know, that, that kind of, that's the mentality here. But uh, what they do, they treat everybody exactly the same. They're not going to worry. It's not going to make the slightest difference. This is London. This is London. Grow up, get over yourselves. So they've decided not to put an advert on. Do you want to watch it? Don't go to the cinema. Don't be silly girls' blouses and start sort of shouting and bleating about we're going to boycott and this kind of stuff. It's not going to make any difference, is it, to them? It's not going to worry about that. They're running a cinema. It's uh, 5.30. Alan on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, 6. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, Paul tells me, morning, uh, Steve, uh, Uber are a minicab. Only those who pass the knowledge in London are called taxis. Can I not call them private hire? Could you not, would that not be classified as private hire, Paul? Would that, would that work like that? Uh, Dan sent me in more pictures of his uh, Costco Christmas set. He loves Christmas as much as I do and as much as uh, Darren Adam does as well. Uh, Jungle War, the whole country's against my mum, says Lady C's son. No, she's the bully. Perhaps you failed to understand. I've just I've already said that once before. Lady Colin Campbell is the bully. Nasty little piece of work. But there again, she's entertaining television and that's what the whole programme is about. They're about getting getting viewers. And it's difficult in this day and age. There's a lot of competition. Some people don't want to watch some Z-listers parading themselves on telly. When she stood under the shower, I, I did feel quite physically ill. I thought that was a bit unnecessary. Uh, and being lonely won't just make you miserable. It could also suppress your immune system and knock years off your life, honestly. It's that there's nothing going for you at the moment, is there? If you're slightly overweight, if you like fish and chips, or you like uh, cakes and stuff like that, and you don't have a very healthy diet because you like those kebabs on a Friday night and you eat a lot of, a lot of spicy food, that's not so good. And so obesity kills you as well, which we know about, and now loneliness. So before it was cigarettes and drink, 
and obesity, and now it's loneliness. So if you get lonely, you get down, you get depressed, and you don't you don't sort of pull yourself back together again. And so I think that's why this this program is generally there. I mean, you know, you don't have to agree with everything that we talk about. In fact, actually, I'd be quite happy if you didn't agree with everything. Makes it far too easy if you say something. People say, Do you know, you're so right. I so agree with that <laughs> because it's, it can't always be right, can it? Uh, Mike reckons that Harry Styles' hair looks horrible and greasy. I think it's a look. I think it's called product. They always put product in their hair nowadays, and you can get so many different products. You've only got to watch Nicky Clark working on television when he goes on to do somebody's hair on those infrequent occasions. And uh, they put on... I mean, men can put everything on. You know, you can have this sort of... I remember I used to have something once that looked at... It was called hair wax. Well, to be honest with you, you need hair to start with. It doesn't actually grow hair at all. But uh, I used to put everything on. You put this on, and that was good for volumising. And this, it, In the end, you just think, it's, I don't even possess a brush or a comb now. I don't think I've combed my hair for about the, well, it doesn't matter, quite a few years. Quite a few years. Other Freemasons, and uh, there's also a few other reports in other papers as well. There's a secret archive revealing how their members, including five kings, two dukes, Oscar Wilde and Churchill, may have shaped Britain's history. Did they cover up the truth about the Titanic sinking? Did they shield the true identity of Jack the Ripper? Did they aid road rage killer Kenneth Noy? I mean, apparently Kenneth Noy happens to have been a Freemason. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. A criminal from a young age, he ran a protection racket at school, stole money from his local Woolworths and did a stretch in Borstal for stealing stolen bicycles. But uh, his Masonic status couldn't spare him from a 14-year jail sentence. What would be the point of him being a, a Mason? I can't quite understand. I mean, was he bright enough for that? Obviously not, as he's in prison. And the Titanic, when that sank on April the 14th, I merely put this forward as a theory, as a thought. When it sank on April the 14th in 1912, there were calls on both sides of the Atlantic for an inquiry, not into why the liner went down on its maiden voyage, but why there was such an extraordinary loss of life. Now, I was told that the loss of life was due to the fact that they'd locked the gates from third class and so people couldn't get up to get on the deck. In America, the Senate blamed not only the vessel's owner, the White Star Line, but also the British Board of Trade for allowing her to sail with... Far too lifeboats. They didn't have enough lifeboats on board for the amount of people. In Britain, however, the official inquiry appeared lenient to the point of farce, possibly owing to the high-level involvement of a number of leading Masons who may have had a vested interest in covering up for their fellow members. The investigation, headed by a Freemason, Lord Mersey, initiated into a lodge in London in 1881. The president of Board of Trade, Sidney Buxton, was a Mason who was also a member of a London lodge. It claimed that Lord Pirry, the chairman of the Belfast shipyard that built the Titanic and a director of White Star's parent company, was a Mason. And furthermore, two of the inquiry's experts were Freemasons, Professor John Biles, a specialist in naval architecture, had joined the lodge in Woolston in Hampshire in 1890, and Edward Chaston, a senior marine engineer, initiated into the St Nicholas Lodge in Newcastle in the same year. And they say here, today, we can't be sure that all these men deliberately worked together to undermine the investigation, but the strong suspicion is that it was in their common interest for the inquiry to be a whitewash, as many believe it proved to be. It concluded that the white, uh, sorry, that the Board of Trade's oversight and regulation, the White Star Line and the captain, were not to blame. It was the fault of excessive speed and the iceberg. So there you go. So was it Freemasonry? Who knows? Conspiracy theories have abounded for ages. You only really have to look at, at the classic death of uh, Princess Diana to realise that for about a year on LBC, people, and still today, 
put out a conspiracy theory. She'd rocked the establishment. She had to be got rid of. That was the conspiracy theory. I lost track of the amount of people who phoned LBC in the, you know, in the aftermath of Diana's death. Mainly, they, they couldn't believe it. And then saying, well, everybody knew that she wasn't liked by the establishment, that, uh, that she was a danger. She was, and you think to yourself, would they really go to that length? I mean, we know that the, the Paris police you know, were totally incompetent in the aftermath of this, this crash. They couldn't do anything about it at all. Absolutely nothing. It was, it was going to happen. They've never found a driver. They've never found a car. They've got CCTV uh, footage, and, and that's about it. They've never, they've never had anything at all. The driver lost his memory, didn't he? Which then came back some years later. He couldn't remember anything about the whole thing. It all just smacked of, of conspiracy, according to many of you listening. And people still today will believe that uh, that she was done away with, that it was an MI5 stroke MI6 operation to make sure that she didn't speak out against... Uh, I mean, all she was talking about was landmines, I seem to remember. I never thought the royal family liked her very much in, indeed. I mean, we all know that they sort of grudgingly turned up for the funeral. But had it been a low-key low affair, they would have... Uh, they would have enjoyed it probably more, but the British public thought differently. In fact, it was the British public that forced the royal family. The Queen was on holiday. Is she coming back down? For... No, she's not. I think she is. No, she's not. It was the newspapers. The newspapers pushed and pushed and pushed. And eventually, the royal family made the trek down. They were on holiday. They had no intention of coming back down again. And, and you could see, shed a tear over a boat disappearing when they lost the royal yacht, Britannia. But uh, over Diana, nothing. Over, you know, nothing at all. It was just they don't seem to have those emotions. It doesn't. It doesn't tend to work. And I think by that time they'd kind of washed their hands of her. Poor soul. She didn't really have much, much to go. She didn't have anybody to talk to, inside the royal family. Uh, another one here. It's eight four eight five zero steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Somebody says uh, sprouts and chorizo are scrummy at Christmas. Have a nice day, says Nick, who works for Telecom. Uh, Steve, good for Janet Street Porter, says Lynn. Not everybody likes kids. Parents don't keep them in check and they can be loud and obnoxious. Ban them from everywhere public. Well, blimey, they've got to go out sometime. I think it, it's, it's whether they're well trained, isn't it? That's what it comes down to. And when I say trained, you train a child in the same way that you train a puppy. You train children to actually, you know, to go out and, and be in public in in posh places, in adult places, and the adult places um, is is sort of somewhere that would be considered, you know, everybody else would be going there to eat. So from an early age, all my godchildren, as you know, went out. They were in, and if they fell asleep at the table, they fell asleep at the table. That was okay, but but you sort of took them out there and they learnt how to behave. And their their mother and father would say to sit up straight. Oh, can I go and play? No, you can't sit at the table. We haven't finished eating. Uncle Stephen's only on his third bottle of Prosecco. And so he just sit there and have... And so they learn how to behave. They learn how to... But you do see some kids, quite clearly, they haven't, uh, they haven't been taught by their parents, who probably actually weren't taught by their parents. But I'm, I'm not sure that you should actually ban children. We did say, didn't we, when we did the article from Janet Street Porter, that, um, that in fact, some people were going to go good for her and other people are going to go, she's mad as a fruitcake, mad as a fruitcake. <laughs> Uh, another one here, very quickly. A lot of people talking about uh, the, uh, in fact, the uh, the advert in the cinemas. Uh, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to go to a cinema and watch a piece from the Church of England, says Martin. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't go there and phone them up in advance. and go, excuse me, can you tell me what adverts are you running? 
As we pointed out yesterday on the programme, the idea, you know, of, of you're an alcoholic recovering, sitting there. I mean, there used to be adverts on the... T- I mean, I used to love the cinema adverts because they were filmed in such big sizes that when they used to do an advert for Gordon's Gin and the music and, and they, they put the ice... And it had clear ice cubes. I always thought that was, that was quite a big thing, clear ice cubes. And they poured the, the gin in and it, was, it, looked, it looked wonderful. And yet I can't stand gin, but I was fascinated by it. And then there'd be smoking. You know, have, oh, Benson and Hedges. And you'd have all these kind of adverts. Well, I didn't think, you know, as a smoker or as a non-smoker, I don't want to see things like this. Made no difference. Perhaps they should do a thing outside the Odeon here and go, these are the adverts we're showing before the, uh, the main Star Wars film, just in case you, uh, you, kind, of, uh, you kind of miss out. <laughs> don't want you to miss out if you're a... It makes no difference. I, don't think, I seriously don't think Christians are remotely bothered whether a cinema shows an advert or not. Otherwise, they'd be going round to churches that have closed down and turned into flats, boycotting them, saying, you shouldn't be living in a church of God. We have a graveyard in Twickenham that's turned into a kid's playground. What they've done is they've deconsecrated, which means you bring a vicar around, he goes, oh, no, no, deconsecrated, and that's it. And they move all the graves back to the walls, and they, uh, and they, uh, and they take out anything that might be left that could upset people. And then it becomes a children's playground. Mind you, I heard an awful story about funerals. There were two, and I think it's in County Durham, two traveller families, two traveller families who were fighting. Now, we know a lot of travellers seem to enjoy fighting. They've demonstrated it on the television where they have these bare-knuckle fights and Paddy What's-His-Face, friendly with Sally the Burke. He liked bare-knuckle fighting. But anyway, uh, these two traveller families have been fighting, apparently, for years. And it's now got to such a level that you can't believe it and when I tell you this, you're going to go, that cannot be true. But it hit the television last night. And it was what? Sorry? It was what? Oh, keep going. And, um, and it turns out that two boys from one of the Traveller families died. One back in 20, 2004 and one a little bit before that. Uh, only 16 years old. Somebody has dug up the graves and they've removed the, uh, the skulls. They've taken the skulls of both the boys. And you think to yourself... How bad can things get? And the answer is very bad. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's ten to six. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. With you till 6.30. It's nice to have you company this morning. If you've got a sat-nav, and many of you have, in fact, it seems to be the must-have gift for this Christmas next to candles. I think candles are the must-have gift because it's the, it's the gift that sort of says this is... And they've got to be nice candles. I know you can buy other candles, but, but to buy somebody a nice candle is sort of... Is, it's, it's a nice gift. It shows, shows a bit of class. And uh, there is a, a sat-nav, as you know, called Garmin. They've got a slight problem at the moment. Uh, It's a little glitch, which has only just come to light. And drivers looking for alternative routes home... I only mentioned that. I shouldn't laugh, really, because it's not very good. They've been left baffled by their uh, sat-nav, which has sent them instructions to go to a tiny village in Austria. Um, This this little village, hundreds of miles, it's an alpine town called uh, Pretelneg. It's very pretty. It's very lovely at this time of year. But uh, it's hit all users across Western Europe, including Britain. And it's a glitch which they are trying to sort out at the moment. SatNav announced that the M20 was closed and would find a better route. Helpful, but not sending people to Austria, which is what it was doing. Uh, Garmin spokesman said they were working to resolve the issue. Which I, quite, I like the idea because we have had people practically driving off cliffs before now because the SatNav told them to. And if you go down the motorway at night, as any of you will will testify, all you see in people's cars now is either the um, the TVs in the back screen for the kids showing videos and DVDs and stuff like that, or they can play computer games. And in the front of the car, everybody but everybody's got a sat-nav, 
which means that we quite clearly haven't got the faintest idea where we're going in this country. But as my brother's uh, youngest wants a sat now for Christmas, and they're so cheap now. When they first came out, they were phenomenally expensive. Now you can pick up a sat now for about £30, which is fairly inexpensive. And once the kids start driving, as you know, it's a case of, you know, they want to know how to get from A to B, and the sort of cars that they've actually got don't have sat-navs in, so you buy a little a little portable sat-nav and then you can take it with you everywhere. She wanted one that um, that had the speed limits in there. Now, my one in the car has got speed limits on, but I'm, I have to hold my hands up. I'm actually very good at speed limits. I don't race down the road, tempting though it might be. I work on the assumption in this weather and coming up to Christmas, the police are going to be out in force on the motorway. They're going to be out there and they're going to be looking for somebody who they think has had a drink. They're going to be looking for people speeding. I've seen people going down the motorway before now with no lights on the car. How can you possibly drive down a motorway with no lights on the car? I would find it physically. I wouldn't know where I was going. Apart from the fact it's highly dangerous. And you see people flashing them. And I'm not sure if these other people are just stupid and they just uh, decide that they're going to risk driving down a motorway. It's like, it's like playing Russian roulette. But the sat-nav is the, is the way forward. But we've had huge lorries coming in from the continent, some of these enormous things, and they've gone down little dirt tracks because that's where the sat-nav has sent them. I remember going through the East End of London years ago, and the sat-nav was having a complete breakdown. Oh, turn left. You said, there is no turning left. So you, and then you see it turning left. You turn down it, one-way street. And you think, it's definitely not having a good day. So I went through a series of buying lots of different sat-navs over the years. And I've got little screens, big screens, because the bigger the screen, the better. But as long as it talks to you, that's all you care about, isn't it, really? And another one here. Uh, I had two policemen on my bus at uh, Clapham Junction on Sunday with a ticket inspector who uh, who checked the tickets. Since when do ticket inspectors have, be, have to be escorted by police officers? I don't know. I don't know. I should imagine. I mean, there are some uh, some people who are quite... Uh, quite de- my, my, my producer over the weekend... Uh, had a dreadful problem with a homeless person who kept following him back across the road, shouting things at him. And he had to, in the end, he ran. Because it's... And Will Will gets it as well outside here because you get home... I mean, sometimes you do see people and you know that they're either suffering from mental problems or drink or drugs or a combination of all of it. I go, it's like, remember I said I had a few weeks ago, I was walking back after the programme and some bloke who was in a sleeping bag uh, said, excuse me, mate, you got any money? And I went, oh, uh, No. And he said, you speak English. I went, perfectly, thank you, yes. He said, you have got money. I said, I might have. And you think to yourself, it's, it's dangerous. If that was a single woman walking down there, you would, you'd, you'd, I'd fear for their lives, seriously. It is dangerous. It's when they ask for change. Have you got, have you got any spare change? And, and they sort of say, have you got any spare change? And I always go, no, I haven't got any spare. Of course I've got no spare change. It's like people who say to you, you know, if you smoke, and I don't smoke, have you got a spare cigarette? No, there were 20 in the pack, I bought 20, of course there's no spare. If there was 21, I'd have a spare cigarette, but I don't. But they start swearing at you if you don't have any, any spare change. They sit by cash points. They sit by cash points. You got any spare change? Of course not, that's why I'm at a cash point. If it, if it dealt it out in 50 pence pieces and pound coins, well then I might be able to do something about it. But I can't do it. But it's a couple of occasions I've heard, and some, some quite aggressive people. There's the other people who you know need help, and you want to be able to help them, but there's, but there's the aggressive side of it, which isn't, which isn't so good at all. Uh, I haven't encountered... I have seen ticket inspectors on the buses. I love it on the trains. I love it on the train. The amount of people who get on trains without... How does it work? You know, when you go through... I know, I'm, perhaps I'm asking the wrong people here, but some of you must know. When you go through a ticket barrier, Brian will know this and, and Lenny, um, and you don't swipe in, when you get to the other end, 
and you swipe out, what does it charge you? Does it charge you the maximum? Because I see people going through the barriers and I think, why have you not swiped through the barrier going onto the station? Even if the barrier is open, that isn't free travel, but did loads of students. We have a college in Twickenham. I mean, Brian will tell you, when we've had the police out there, on a fairly regular basis, it's students that they catch for travelling on uh, illegal cards, or they don't have any cards at all. They just push their way through the, through the barriers. And that's students. That's students. Terrible. I'm still trying to work out, as well, in my own mind, about Diane Abbott. I'm sure she was a student at one time. We remember, of course, when uh, she was complaining bitterly about uh, sending children to, uh, to selective schools, and then her own son phoned LBC, another classic example, uh, of somebody being caught out, and, uh, and say that he was at a private school. Well, couldn't believe our luck. Couldn't believe our luck. But anyway, um, because she took her son out of state education and sent him to a City of London school. I mean, a complete hypocritical move, as all the papers have said this morning. Now she's launched her own foundation. I must have to check on this a bit more carefully, because this is very interesting, that, you know, somebody like her... I thought you had to have money to set up a, uh, a foundation. She's doing it here, and it's going to be called the grandly titled Diane Abbott Foundation, a charity which will be apparently focusing on education. Well, how will that work? I don't, is she giving money to education? So she'll be channeling all her income through her own foundation. And that's, but I thought you had to have a certain amount of money. I thought, I thought it would run into millions if you had a foundation. Hence, people like the Elton Johns and the Cheryl Spagbowl and people like that. They have foundations. And uh, George Michael and, and loads of other people. If you've got a lot of money, you've got a foundation. I think Elton John might have two foundations. But Diane Abbott doesn't quite sit, sit with me having a foundation. So I'm sure that the papers will be having a look at that one fairly closely over the next few days. There's so many things that they've got to look at, haven't they? Uh, Especially Charlie Sheen, who makes the front of the Daily Mirror this morning. £10 million to cover up gay sex videos. Honestly, we've gone absolutely sex mad, haven't we, in this country? We're sort of, we're obsessed with what other people get up to. I do, so we'll we'll change the subject, actually. It's far too early in the morning. We haven't even had breakfast yet. Uh, J-Lo, here she is, Jennifer Lopez. She cannot decide what to wear. And so she turned up with 12 outfits in one night. And very nice they were, too. I'm assuming that most of them were what's commonly known in the business as freebies. In other words, the uh, manufacturers and the designers say, we'd love you to wear this because we know we're going to get coverage. That's how the Oscars work. The only person it doesn't work for is Kerry Katona. Nobody's going to be giving her any free clothes anywhere soon because you don't want people like that wearing your clothes and demeaning them. So nobody ever gives anything to poor old Jordan. So that's why she dresses so badly. Uh, Bullying mum is bang out of order, says Lady Colin Campbell's son. Although really he needs to look at his mother, who is the worst bully I've ever seen on television. Entertainingly, entertainingly so, but, but just not sort of... Not in a nice kind of a way. And still waiting, still waiting to, to hear some fantastic gossip about the royal family. But, uh, but not. Glenn says, I had a person in Romford ask me for a spare cigarette. I said no. I've had people before saying to me, have you got a cigarette, mate? And of course I come up with the classic, I, I don't smoke. And then I feel I should go into one of my rants about, you know, you, uh, you, um, you shouldn't be smoking. It's bad for you. You'll get emphysema. Apparently if you have a week or a month travel card on your oyster, you don't need to tap out. Oh, fine. OK. Cars that have daylight running lights are the problem with people not putting lights on at night. They stay on all the time, but the tail lights only come on when you turn on the side lights and the headlights, says Andy. Oh, there you go. I know these things. Now, now I've become an educated person. And uh, another one here. And um, Gary says, I'm on the M1 at Watford. And, and an idiot's passed me with no lights on. I know. It's, I sometimes think to myself, um, 
you know, the, the, there's an accident waiting to happen. But the one thing you have to be careful, and it's not just the festive season, not just the uh, the festive season. They're going to be, I'm, I'm hoping that you're all going to be very good this year and not uh, get caught for the drink driving. Just remember, one drink could be enough to send you over the limit. So the advice is, if you drink and drive, uh, sorry, if you drink, don't drive. It would be a lot safer that way. Get public transport or let somebody else drive who hasn't had a drink. Coming up to the news at six o'clock, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We're racing through this month. It only seems like, does it only seem like the other day? It was bonfire night and now the 24th of November, the Tuesday, and we're heading up to the end of the month. We could be at war in Syria by next week, say the papers. The tumble dryer blaze warning. These are big tumble dryers that people have at home. I don't think they're the combinations. I've got a combination, but uh, they've listed the companies that uh, could be at risk. The 12 shows of Christmas, the sneak preview of what's coming up, and you're going to like most of them. Ronnie Corbett, as you know, tops the festive list at the age of 85. Uh, The cinema's facing the boycott over the prayer ban, the record festive splurge, and uh, Molly King turning up in, I think, possibly the worst outfit I've ever seen. Oh, no, no, that'd be Harry Styles. On Steve Allen. On LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 24th of November. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I'm delighted to tell you that I've practically finished the Christmas shopping, which is uh, which is good news. Uh, Harry Styles turns up to uh, some sort of fashion thing, wearing what can only be described as an IKEA duvet uh, cover made into a suit. I'm told it's a very expensive suit at £3,000. Uh, Tesco sending out this dinner service, a little bit over-cautious with the packaging. 48 boxes for a 24-piece set, and five of it was broken, which was a shame. Are the Freemasons even more powerful than we ever imagined? Uh, Emily's life on the cobble. She's leaving after God knows how many years. Jennifer Lopez and her outfits, and the TV shows you'll want to watch. Yule, you know, being the thing for uh, for Christmas. The high number of those lost, says John, the Titanic rivet counter, because he knows about it, was not due to third-class passengers being locked below decks. It was due to the simple fact there were too few lifeboats. The British inquiry into the sinking was indeed a whitewash, but we can only guess that was due to the leading investigators being Masons, which is undoubtedly true. However... Had the damning evidence about the White Star Line's practice been made public, it would have undoubtedly ruined the company and almost certainly put thousands of people out of work. Well, this is what... It's funny how there's uh, four papers this morning... Three three papers this morning who are running the story about it uh, being a cover-up due to Masonic intervention. Other stories in the papers for today. Uh, I could tell you that uh, David Cameron could put 10,000 troops on the streets to help fight terrorists axing 40,000 police officers and let's put 10,000 troops on the streets. Doesn't kind of make sense to me. Uh, Lady C's been given a raw deal in the jungle, but she knows what it, uh, what it was supposed to be when she went in there. And here is a, a lovely picture of the paper. I love Christmassy pictures. And there's always going to be something with an area dusted with snow. And this is of Corfe Castle yesterday with a fiery sky above it. It looks absolutely sensational. It's great, which is great. Uh, Movie star Charlie Sheen hits all the papers again for all the wrong reasons. uh, I'm sorry to tell you. He's battling to suppress sex tapes, uh, allegedly showing him with a man and smoking crack. Uh, We know here that uh, because we know what he's talked about on television before, he said that he's he's battled with with drugs, he's battled with his sex addictions, and he's paid out money to stop things being made public. I could only assume this uh, video, 
which shows him with both male and female lovers is the kind of thing which is going to be revealed by the National Enquirer tomorrow. The National Enquirer is the uh, the sort of the news of the world in America, but in, in even sort of more lurid details. They don't uh, they don't hold back when it comes to exposing celebrities. They were the ones who you remember. Uh, when one particular actor died in the Viper Room, they decided to put him on the front cover because they paid money to one of his relatives to take a picture of him in his coffin. And so they fixed them up with a little tiny lapel. They'll, they'll do anything to get their, their stories. It sort of takes paparazzi to a whole new level, whether you think it's up or down. And so to see this particular actor in his coffin, they said, was uh, was a deterrent to people. Uh, they're going to talk about Charlie Sheen and these videos, which allegedly show him uh, smoking crack. It's an 18-month inquiry that they've been devoting time to. It's it's going to ultimately... I didn't realise he was worth so much money. If he's paid out something like, I think, £10 million so far, and... Uh, I think 700 people might have come forward to say that as he is HIV positive, he has deliberately infected them by having unprotected sex. I mean, the whole thing could go pear-shaped. And yet, strangely, they're still showing on television his uh, two and a half men. He claims he always told his partners he was HIV positive. Uh, why that would not be enough. I thought if you're upfront about something, that would then stop it. But still, he was being blackmail. He's now looking to uh, to sell the house he bought for his ex-wife. Um, he, he says he did have, at one point, a £66 million fortune, which goes to prove how uh, how wealthy... Oh, by the way, the person in, in the coffin on the front page of the National Enquirer was River Phoenix. River Phoenix, who, who died quite tragically at a very early age. But uh, £66 million he had, and uh, it's, it's mainly been paid out to people who are blackmailing him. You'd have thought he'd have gone to the police long before this, but he didn't. Uh, Jan says, on the subject of, uh, of sat-navs... But uh, I do think sat-navs are brilliant. I also think they stop drivers thinking for themselves. They just program the uh, the destination detail and follow instructions, even without thinking whether they're travelling north, east, west or south. I just love finding somewhere by using my scant geographical knowledge on a sat-nav trip to the Magic Circle some years ago. We ended, ended up in Old Compton Street. When Don and I were in the Cotswolds recently, we compared our old TomTom to the sat-nav on the iPhone and we were given contradictory information. So I made the decision which way to go. Love the pictures of you and Jane Horrocks on Sunday. So please, little Julie, Janet, Janice, so many Jays, Shelley and Noreen were there too, and Brian. It was, it was brilliant, actually, and uh, lovely. And then somebody just sent me one a short while ago saying that they had, uh, I think it was uh, Richmond Station, the cab rank, says Max, when a Dutch lorry turned up looking for an address in Richmond... Yorkshire. He'd driven from Lowestoft. Time to invest in a, in a sat-nav, I think. It is awful, isn't it, when you're trying to explain to people where you're actually going. It's not so good, actually. And uh, another one here. See, if they have a season ticket, i.e. zones one to five, this is the, the travel cards we have in London, they don't need to worry, providing within these zones, uh, otherwise it will take money from them for the additional zones. And if they don't touch in or out, then it takes the full price fare, says Brian at Twickenham Station. Because I see people going through there and I think, oh, I hope you're not going to be charged the full thing. I hope you're not going to be charged. Thank you, Brian, very much indeed. I like to know these things. And, uh, and then this one says uh, exactly the same, actually. If you've got ticket zones one to five, you don't need to worry about it. Uh, but, however, if you don't touch in and out, it takes the full price fare. Be careful. Uh, 12 TV shows coming up at Christmas. And I'm sorry to mention Christmas so early. Those of you with children are probably already struggling with the we've got to go to work, but at the same time, we've got to work out what we're buying. And if you've got more than one child and they've got friends and they're probably going to school 
parties and uh, other people's parties coming up to Christmas. You've got to buy presents for that. It's a very stressful time for parents with children. Really, an unbelievably stressful time. I know because I've done various children's parties myself where I've been in charge of, let's take the cake out, take it back inside and start cutting it up into pieces to put in the goodie bag, which you've got to make for all the children. And the children rate your goodie bags. So if you don't put enough stuff in there... You'll be shunned next time round. You've got to make sure you've got the best goodie bag. You've got to have a pencil, a pen, and some little some little game or something, and a, a sort of a colouring in thing, and a balloon, and a piece of cake. I never knew why the cake. I never knew why the cake. But we always used to go home with with sort of bits of bits of cake, and then you say, "Oh, I don't want to eat the cake." So perhaps we should ban cakes. Perhaps Janet Street Porter should do a thing about banning cake from children's parties. That would make it far more entertaining. Uh, so over the uh, television and festive season, my advice is go and get DVDs. Start ordering them now. Downton Abbey, well, we've got to watch it because we love the cast of Downton and Hugh Bonneville is such a superman. And uh, so this time, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a... Is it a cliffhanger? Is it the end? I think it could be. Uh, Peter and Wendy... This is Paloma Faith, who's going to pop up uh, as Tinkerbell, the fairy, in Peter Pan, played by Zach Sutcliffe. I quite like Peter Pan, but there's so many different versions of it, aren't there, on the television. Uh, Call the Midwife. I never watched Call the Midwife. I never saw it. I never saw anything. I didn't, it didn't appeal to me in the slightest. We're doomed! The making of Dad's Army. And this is Jimmy Perry and David Croft, how they overca- overcame the scepticism at the BBC. And, uh, and they... Uh, and they cast this programme. They said, it'll never work, you know. Never work. Doctor Who is going to have a Christmas edition. Billionaire Boy as well. This is the latest book from David Walliams, turned into a festive special. It follows Joe 12, whose dad makes a billion by inventing a new toilet roll. Lovely. It's a bit like uh, Richie Rich, isn't it? It sounds exactly like Richie Rich to me. It's just sort of a copy of that. Sherlock's back. Uh, as is uh, Fungus the Bogeyman which I don't know anything about at all. I've heard of it. And then there were none, the top-selling crime novel, Agatha Christie. Do you know, she'd be delighted to think that all these years later, after her death, if she's sitting on a cloud looking down, they're still doing Agatha Christie's on the television, and we still like them. We love a good costume drama. Stickman. This is uh, the animators behind Gruffalo and Room on the Broom. That'll be nice for everybody. Uh, also, Snow Chick, Emperor Penguins, and uh, it, it, it's a, a proper documentary of Emperor Penguins and a snow chicken. They walk miles. Goes to minus 60 degrees, but the emperor penguins go trudging off into the distance. Takes them days. And then they go fishing, and then they have to trudge all the way back again. And they all stand huddled round. You've seen it on the television. Uh, The one for me is Mrs Brown's Boys, which is going out. There's going to be some very noisy carol singers, and the peaceful Christmas is going to go, as you can imagine, pear shapes. So there they are, the 12 shows that you'll want to watch over this festive season. As I say, for most of them, for me, it's going to be a case of digging out the DVD box sets. I shall end up watching some festive stuff by myself and probably having some eggnog. Actually, I won't. I hate eggnog. I absolutely hate eggnog. It's absolutely the most awful thing. Uh, the other uh, story that's running in the papers is who's going to win Strictly. So they, they've asked various people. In fact, they've asked Darcy Bustle, who has got what it takes to win Strictly? And the answer is, it can be anybody's game. It can be anybody's game. I'm not watching it, only because I'm, I'm really not interested. If it happened to be on at a time that I was in front of the television, I would watch it. But because I'm not, I don't. It's bad enough. I, I don't even see the X Factor, so I don't have to put up with, with people being critical. So when you see uh, Cheryl Spagbowl on there being critical of somebody and, uh, you know, well, why, uh, you're just not really good. You know, that's exactly the same as somebody saying to her, as Lord Sugar did, you're very thin. 
And she goes, I'm not even going to dignify it by saying anything. She's got an obsession with it, and yet she is too thin. Way too thin. I mean, she looks normal size in the papers, which means in real life, you can take some pounds off the papers and television, make you look normal. If you are, you know, tiny, tiny, and she is teeny tiny. So perhaps eating a little bit more over Christmas. Not if she's following Nigella Lawson, who's not having turkey this Christmas. Out of keeping with the rest of the country. It's quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is... The t- you know, we're whizzing through this programme at the moment. Uh, my thanks to, uh, to Steve, who says, uh, I'm a Freemason. Last 14 years. Last 14 years. Amazing. I, f- I mean, I know that there are lots of Freemasons who listen to uh, LBC. Perhaps it'll be something that people talk about a bit later on. I can see, actually, somebody like... Uh, Ian Dale quite liking that story. I think he'll probably prefer the Diane Abbott one, but I reckon that uh, James O'Brien could go for the Freemasons one. I think so. Uh, a Parisian Christmas in, uh, in Twickenham, actually. Uh, you can get details on... Oh, where's their website? Oh, I can't find the website now. They have a, they have a website because we like doing things like this. And as we've got our Christmas lights up now, this is where they've got uh, a night in Paris with sort of music and everything else. And it, it, sound, it sounds absolutely lovely. I quite like the idea. The Cabbage Patch are doing it. We were talking, actually, funnily enough, we were talking, because of the rugby in Twickenham, uh, lots of new businesses opened up. And I mean lots of new businesses. We had lots of uh, burger companies. Some were, some were national, uh, some were individual on their own. And I, I was saying to the landlord of the Albany the other day, I said, interestingly enough, it'll be, it'll be fascinating for us in Twickenham to see if in a year's time half these businesses are still around. Because I don't think there's enough business in Twickenham to sustain the amount of restaurants that we seem to have. We seem to have quite a number of them. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to find out, because it wasn't exactly brilliant for us, the rugby. It wasn't, it wasn't the best that it, uh, that it could have been. Uh, Mark says, perhaps Nigella's had enough of turkey. And then there's a joke that comes with it, uh, which, of course, I assumed there, there would. Uh, Noreen says, Satnav, we rely on AA Route Planner, hence getting lost in Twickenham. <laughs> Actually, I, um, I use AA Route Planner as well. And that's very simple. Just type in on Google, AA Route Planner. Put in where you are, and it will it prints out. And then you can go, right, we're coming out to the roundabout, turn left. I've, I've never found it go wrong yet. Uh, when you go to Bletchley Park via the AA Planner, at the end of the uh, road there, uh, there's a tatty cardboard sign that says, this is not the way to Bletchley Park. <laughs> Thank you, Noreen. I always like things like that. I'm always, I'm always quite surprised, actually, by the directions you get on these things. I still think it's clever. still think it's clever. Oh, apparently, according to the real Joby, uh, James O'Brien has done the uh, the free. Has he done the the Freemasons recently? Has he done that recently? Um, which good. He said he did it yesterday. Did he? Good blimey! I've only just read it today. How did he do it yesterday? That's clever, isn't it? Um, somebody says um, uh, another one here. It says uh, apparently some stations are auto enabled. Do you know what that is, Brian? Auto-enabled? And don't need to tap in like Stratford, but it doesn't work properly. I always worry about anything. I don't, I don't like to sort of not tap in and out. I, I feel as I might sort of be getting myself into, into dreadful trouble, and I don't want to get into trouble on the blooming railways. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And another one here. A lot of people telling me about the, the zones 1 to, uh, 1 to 5. Uh, which is, at least at least that's been explained to me. I now understand exactly how that works. And uh, somebody says, I hear you get up at 4.30. I don't think so, no. I think I think uh, it'd be very difficult to actually get up at 4.30 as the programme starts at, uh, at 4. <laughs> which I quite like, actually. Uh, so and I want to know more about this auto-enabled. 
I, I really love it. A lot of people talk to me about Christmas, and yes, I am here on Christmas Day. Look forward to your company. This tumble-dryer blaze warning, I only mention it because it's an alert to families, millions of families, they've said on the front of the Daily Mail. Whether we're scaremongering, I don't know. I just merely pass it on as information. They say the tumble-dryer could be a potential fire hazard. The alert by Indesit... One of the leading manufacturers follows a series of household blazes. This covers two types of machines sold under the Indesit, Hotpoint and Creda brands over an 11-year period to last month. The problem is caused by fluff accumulating in the filter, which is very close to the heating element, on these models. An investigation into the safety of Indesit's tumble dryers was launched after the company was taken over by a US appliance giant Whirlpool last year. So what they're doing is they're sending engineers out to modify the dryers to eliminate the fire risk. I suggest you contact the company, actually. Uh, One of them, owners of the models, a large air-vented dryer and the condensing dryer, sold between April 2004 and October 2015, are being warned not to leave the machines running overnight and to remove any fluff or debris from the filter after each use. I wouldn't even have the faintest idea where where the filters were on these sort of things. I really wouldn't know, but the, there's more on the, uh, the Daily Mail this morning. UK could be at war in Syria by next week, is their other headline. Uh, the Daily Mirror, uh, they're looking at the uh, Hatton Garden uh, raiders for the heist there. Charlie Sheen's $10 million to cover up gay sex videos. Uh, the Daily Express, Darcy Bustle, who's got what it takes to win Strictly? Who's got what it takes to win Strictly? The answer is, I have no idea, no idea. Now we face jihadi missile attack. Uh, is the Express. Uh, the Metro today, posh, fash, bash, the Beckhams turning up. This is David, I'm not attractive, so you can't call me that, which is great. And Victoria looking just miserable again, I'm afraid. <laughs> she just, one of these days, she will. I do have pictures of her looking happy. <laughs> uh, the Sun have got Granny Get Your Speed Gun. This is police using OAPs to nab drivers. They're teaching old-age pensioners to, to actually have a speed gun. And here's poor old Cheryl Spagbowl again, fury over the Lord Sugar weight jibe, uh, which everybody else has picked up on. So, you know, the more you talk about it, the more it sort of the more it sort of doesn't go away, does it for her? But as I say, she's complaining that he's picking up on, Lord Sugar's picking up on her, whereas in fact she does exactly the same on the on the X Factor. And we know, as I say, what a, what a temper she's got. Um, another one here. Oh, a lot of people, I don't have a chance to get around to every single one of these, but everybody talking about the uh, the ticket zones and how it works, so thank you very much indeed. Um, I'll be back with you tomorrow. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, Nick Ferrari and the team at breakfast. But coming up right now, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 